Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 56. Wow. The golden 56. <laughs> Can't believe we've made it here. <laughs> I Seven times eight, baby. <laughs> That's what we always say around these parts. <laughs> I'm Eric Goslin, joined here by Mike Price. Sometimes we go by the Ghoulie Brothers. Uh, what, are, what are we, Mick and Mick Dick and, and Mick Ghoulie? Oh, I should also mention yeah. Killstreak brought to you by TugTruck.com. Get in the back, city boy. Let me give you a hand with that. All right. I don't know how much longer we can advertise for <laughs> Tug Truck. They only paid us for two episodes. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Yeah. I mean, unless they re-up the contract. They might be able to two. squeeze more out of us if they ask nicely. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you guys come to the podcast hey. to, to hear. <laughs> That's right. Uh, especially especially my family. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, especially your family. Uh, well, just having that in mind, I'm going to make this episode ten times dirtier. That's that's the... Hey, whatever brings in the, the ears, that's promise. what I care about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, last week, we wrapped up our episode with a new feature, the Killstreak Hall mm-hmm. of Shame. And for anybody who was clamoring for the opportunity to uh, participate in the voting for that, uh, we wanted to give you guys an extra week to think about it and just to really like marinate on your choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so go back and listen to last week's episode. And then this week, we want you to jump onto the Kill Streak Twitter. And uh, there's going to be a fun little survey to fill out. And. Uh, and you can vote on who belongs in the Killstreak Hall of Shame. And what do we do? It was movie movie title, title gore. Right? Movie movie titles that are unwieldy, horrible to look at, make no sense, bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So our most recent tweet from a couple days ago has got that link up there. Um, and you can be reminded of all the great choices. And then you can go and participate and you can be part of the wonderful uh, representative democracy that is the Killstreak Be podcast. part of the conversation here at Killstreak. You will become our third co-host. Oh, speaking of that, we have a, we have a, a yeah. segment that we recorded already. It's our third segment for, the, for this episode, yeah. but Ryan Martin is joining us. He has a very special mm-hmm. quiz for us. Some of the info, I actually think at least one of the things is definitely going to come up in our conversation, so don't don't think that we yeah. uh, pulled the wool over Ryan's eyes. That that happened before yeah. this um, whole ordeal. Yeah, somewhat related to uh, a recurring plot point in the Alien uh, quadrilogy up to this point. Um, you know, there's a little bit of time travel happening. You know? This is <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's real exciting stuff. It only happens in sci-fi in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, I mean, we're embracing yeah. the sci-fi horror nature of this series. That's right. And we're traveling through time. Don't be too spooked. I like doing, I like doing sci-fi stuff. I think this, it's like a fun departure. How do you feel? About it? I like it too. It is a fun departure. Um, I, so after our last week's episode, I went online and I was like, I want to dive mm-hmm. into the graphic novels, the uh, aliens graphic novels. Cause I remember them coming out like dark horses publishing them. Right. And uh, so I bought, I found like a list of like the best ones. And then I bought a collection mm-hmm. that contained at least two of them. It was, a, it was a collection of three. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to do this. 
Right. Turns out I accidentally bought the novelizations to those co- <laughs> those graphic novels, <laughs> and I started reading it today. <laughs> so now, yeah. I heard, tell me if this rumor is true, I heard they added a bunch of extra sex. That's what I hear. I haven't encountered that yet, but I'm only like right. 40 pages into the first book. Uh, okay. Earth Hive, I believe it's called, and the gotcha. next one's uh, Nightmare Asylum. Well, when you get there, if you just want to take some pictures uh, of the pages with your phone and send them to me. Yeah. Um, so I can review them. That would be great. So one thing that's making me nervous about it is it's about like the continuing adventures of Hicks and Newt, although they've been renamed uh-huh. to Wilkes and Billy. Right. And I hope that doesn't involve Newt, even though she's a, she's grown in this. But Billy, I'm sorry, Wilkes, a.k.a. Hicks, has already noted that she fills out her like. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fills out her uniform. It's like, uh oh. Uh, can I take a wild stab in the dark at something? Yes. W- was was this book written by a man? This one was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. It cool. Um, <laughs> d- is does does Newt have huge boobs and she doesn't even realize it? Uh, that, uh... I suspect that hasn't been called out ex- exactly, but like that mm. that quote I'm talking about is like, yeah. He's like, oh, she's really become a woman, <laughs> you know, like that kind of. <laughs> beautiful and doesn't know yeah it. Um, <laughs> she has giant tits but not in a intimidating way <laughs> in a way that'll make you the male reader feel perfectly comfortable yeah. she's intelligent but doesn't act like it but dumber than you whatever yeah, yeah, intelligence don't worry, don't level worry. you have she's smart but not smart enough that she won't need you to tell her some stuff yeah sh- you're in control here you're in control here <laughs> <laughs> fragile fragile control you're big man. Uh, you're such a big man <laughs> hey uh so i'm excited because this week we're covering alien resurrection and this is a movie that you had not seen before correct no, i wasn't sure and then it started mm-hmm. and i was like nope i have definitely never seen this before uh, i remember man. some of the advertising around it but mm-hmm. yeah i never never saw it now, was this a Blair Witch esque? Like, did you deliberately skip this one because you were a uh, grumpy teenager? Uh, I don't remember why I didn't see it. To be honest, okay. Um, I don't have a I don't have a good answer. I guess it would have come out when I was in high school, and um, yeah, I I have no idea why I didn't see this. Yeah, I mean, so I definitely saw this one in the theater, mm-hmm. um, and. So it came out for anybody uh, who's wondering in 1997. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Eric, would you agree? Is 1997 the most futuristic sounding year that there is? I think, yeah, I think it's up there with 99 and 2001. I think all of those three are. uh, See, I think 99 and 2001, they're a little overdone. They're a little cliche. Sure. 97 is like. Yeah, you got Prince and the Millennium, and then 2001, obviously, you know, yeah. the movie, Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke. But 97, just the date alone, just the year, it sounds so futuristic. This is probably something that's only true to people who were around before 1997. <laughs> do you remember when Conan O'Brien used to do in the year 2000? And Absolutely, then the year 2000 came and they bumped it up to the year 3000? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember watching Terminator 2, and I think the uh, nuclear holocaust that happens in that is in 2020, I believe, or 2021, yeah. one or the other. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's now. 
Yeah, I mean, we are rocketing past sci-fi milestones from the futuristic movies of our childhood. Yeah. Right? Um, there's, I'm trying to remember, because isn't 97, this is like, the year 1997, which is when Alien Resurrection came out, I believe, isn't that the, like, the depressing future of Demolition Man, where... Oh, where maybe like, it is. Where Stallone goes into his cryo chamber. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh my god. Demolition Man is a real treat. That movie rules. Everybody should watch it. <laughs> the, two, the two seashells? Three seashells, baby. Oh, it's three seashells. Yeah, that's right. I apologize. Right. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. Um, anyways, we've strayed from the point a little bit, which is Alien Resurrection. Uh, blood and guest check, Eric. How did this this new watch strike you? Um, so... Demolition Man, nineteen ninety six. We have Eric's full focus ever. The uh, this movie, I I, I don't like to say, um, did not work very well for me. I hated the tone of this movie. <laughs> this movie, okay. I thought, was a tonal mess. Um, tonal, <laughs> not total. Tonal mess. Yes, yeah, tonal mess. Sure, mess. Mess. Okay, got it. Um. It is a departure, certainly. It is certainly a departure, yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean, what... Sorry, go ahead. I no, no, hear, no, no. I hear everything I, I, you think. I was, uh, the thing I was going to say was going to contribute nothing, which is to say I'll save some of my thoughts for later as they come <laughs> up. But, um, yeah. But I, okay, so yeah. Jean-Pierre Jeunet, Jeunet is how... Jeunet. Jeunet. Yeah. Is a director I do like things that he's done. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think his take on the alien franchise it wasn't what i was looking for okay what were you expecting before you saw this well i okay so this is almost shot like a comedy in a lot of in yeah. a lot of ways and it's mm-hmm. bigger oh man i'm I'll see I mean, i'm starting to get into my my my, my, de- my deeper thoughts i thought okay, ripley right. ripley's character uh-huh. fucking sucked <laughs> I hated Ripley's character. But but so movie? okay, so if you don't want to get into your deeper thoughts, yeah. let's just backtrack to the question, which is what were you expecting? What was I expecting? Um I don't know. I wasn't expecting hmm. I was expecting uh maybe it to be more fun than the last one. It was. Mm-hmm. Um I was expecting um I had read somewhere that this was like the gorier of the aliens, so I was expecting mm-hmm. a lot of like over the top gore. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I guess I was expecting not more of the same, but more of a what would be considered a traditional alien movie. Although all three of these movies are pretty, pretty different. Yeah, I mean, they are very different, but I'll say this, like this one makes you realize that they're all dark. Yeah. Right. Like, like you talk about tone, like the tones vary. However, none of them are uplifting. No, no, no. This isn't an uplifting movie. Uh, okay, so you know what I was I was sort of expecting more of a return to form, I guess was gotcha after the okay. third. Um yeah. Yeah. Well it's another it's another departure, right? It's mm-hmm. it goes in a different direction. And I mean, I think it deserves a little bit of credit for that, which is just like because I mean, you know, not to like get too far ahead of ourselves, but like I think that's what that's what people really expected from Prometheus, right? They're like, well, it's Ridley Scott's coming back. It's a return to form, and it like yeah, it turns out that I guess unless you're George Miller, um, you can't you can't go back. 
yeah, to this stuff. You can't, right? I, I actually have a thought, and I okay. want to see. I think you can go back with this with okay. this series in particular. I think you go back to the to the alien well and mm. use that as your center as your like Rosetta Stone for your movie. I want to see a Cronenberg uh, alien <laughs> movie, and, that, sure. and I think he could do a great suspenseful. I guess yeah. I want more of the suspense of the first yeah. movie in like that really wonderful um aesthetic that mm-hmm. i feel like has been lacking in the last two especially i think it's just been changing it's been i mean changing. i think these movies have very clear aesthetics and i'll say this i agree uh, if we're talking about things that don't work like i think this movie has a really clear aesthetic mm-hmm. and it's i don't want to say it's unique but it's like it also i mean it feels cliche almost but i think that's in part a lot of the things that feel just like this came after it Sure. Um, like this is a very late '90s portrayal of spaceships and like space. I mean, you know, at some point we're gonna have to start talking about Joss Whedon. Um, oh yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like a lot of my gripes with the script are with the script. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not just the script though. It's like, and I think this might be. Who knows? It's a chicken and egg thing, but it's like, how much does the aesthetic of this movie feel like Firefly? It does. Yeah. It right. Really does. And not just the script. It's like the costumes on the crew and the design of the ships and the stuff. Weapons, it, like it, Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if he was cribbing stuff from this or, you know, he had more influence on this through the script than we would realize on things like that. But this is like a and and I mean it's not just that too. Like, did this movie remind you a little bit of Jason X? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's just a time and a place, uh-huh. and I think that this is a bad time and place for movies. With except there are like huge outliers, like people who are really doing their own thing in this part in this period of time, like the late nineties. And like I know I know a lot of people they talk about nineteen ninety nine as being one of the best years in the history of cinema. But I think that it's like all of those great movies are kind of an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the reverse of that, like, 70s. I saw somebody tweeted something the other day, and it was basically just like, is is your favorite movie actually great, or is it just shot on film in the 1970s? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, those movies all look better. Um, um, I want to ask you, though, what's your blood and guts mm-hmm. check for this? I didn't ask. I mean, it's a mess, but it's, I think it's interesting. Okay. It's like, it's a bunch of, there's like a bunch of component pieces that are intriguing and there are like little set pieces that I like and there's little character notes that I like, yeah. but as a whole, it, it doesn't really work. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, so I think we're close. We're I probably closer than I, than I anticipated. Um, mm. I, I will say I, uh, now we're especially this movie and then getting with the next two movies. I suspect I never saw Covenant. Uh, they're just starting to get too much into the mythology of the Xenomorph uh-huh. and Ripley. Not, I mean, we're done with Ripley now, right? Um, but for now, for now, um, but like, I, I don't care. I don't want to go into the mythology <laughs> of the Xenomorph. I don't want right. to explain it. You know, like I, I like the mystery. Yeah. Well, I mean, to steal to steal sort of a common criticism from 
you know, we're constantly cribbing things from other podcasts that we like. And so it's important. <laughs> it's important to like shout them out. But, you know, you and I both listen to the podcast, The Action Boys. Mm-hmm. And one of their they're, they're all kind of on record as being pretty anti the, the MCU. Yeah. More so than I am, I think. And and then they also, you know, they like like many of our contemporaries, they have some pretty harsh words for the Star Wars universe as well. And one of the things they go in on really hard is the movie Solo, which I also did not like. Mm-hmm. But like one of the things, one of the hosts of that show, Ben Rogers, is always pointing out that it's like, I don't give a shit how Han Solo got his name. I yeah, don't yeah. care where like his individual pieces of clothing came from. I don't right. care how he met Chewbacca. Like these are not the reasons why people come back to these things. They want to spend time with these characters. And it's like these creators have such a long track record of just missing the point of what people like about movies Mm -hmm. and when they try to, and this is like almost a huge existential conversation for this podcast. It's like when you try to make a sequel, it's like they focus on all the wrong shit. It's like, you know what I want out of a great sequel. I mean, you know, this, this series is a perfect example, right? Like you, whether you like Alien or Aliens more, I think most people are comfortable saying they're both pretty good movies. Mm-hmm. And like Aliens does the perfect pivot that a good sequel should do, which is like it wants to do its own thing. It does it in the universe that you're already familiar with and that you like. Mm-hmm. And it reintroduces a character that you like and an actor that you like. But then it like goes and beats its own path. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Something like Solo, where they focus so much on like, oh, we're just going to give you all these Easter eggs and fill in the blanks and all these cool, winky ways in which it's like, hey, did you know that this is where that came from? It's like, no, just have a fun fucking Han Solo adventure. We don't need all this yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Right. You know, an, an example that they've used, like there's there was supposed to be maybe a uh, Snake Plissken prequel or something. It's like, oh, no, we're just going to yeah. find out how he lost the eye. You know, it's like, who cares? Right. I don't yeah. give a shit. His real name's Bob. How did he get the nickname Snake? And, yeah. You know, um, you know, one thing that I'm starting to notice with these, this being the fourth of the sequels, mm-hmm. is that each of the movies now feels like it has to um, add a new type of alien. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, it yeah. feels shoehorned in at this point. We're like, right. in, the first one, there's, in the first one, there's just the xenomorph. In the second mm-hmm. one, there's a bunch of xenomorphs and the queen. In the right. Fincher one, there's the like dog or ox version, whatever right. the like bar the one that walks on four legs. And on this one, we get the human, the newborn, the newborn, yeah. yeah, right. And like that's I mean, also not that interesting to me either. I'll say that I like that stuff because to me, just because they they started it and kept going with it, like whether or not like I'm not one of these people who's like I want to sever the series after the first one, the only one that's any good is alien. Cause those people exist. Like there are people who oh, I don't, don't, I like, don't believe that either. You know, like, yeah. I, I believe that they exist. I don't, be- that's right. not what I was, but, but to me, it's like, that's, that's part of the mythology of the series. And it's not just shoehorned. It's like, it feels, and especially since Ridley Scott kept really made that concept almost central to uh, Prometheus. At least it's like, I think that stuff's intriguing, actually. I, I think that making the xenomorphs 
like very nature one of adaptation mm, to yeah. me is interesting. And, you probably, I, I you know, think, I, I yeah. think I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, dude. I think I'm being an asshole. You're probably, because, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I did like the toys that had like, oh, this one has like a scorpion tail or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. That is pretty cool. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe uh, my biggest issue is just that I wasn't i was what i was whatever i was expecting wasn't what i watched when i watched this movie so i'm just a little bit thrown by it all well i'm sure i i suspect that was the case for most of the people who have ever seen this movie for Uh the first time um because i mean it's just a weird it is a weird departure in a lot of ways and this is as good a segue as any to talk about um this streak of uh, really impactful, very interesting, very different filmmakers mm-hmm. taking the helm of these movies, which continues and, to be honest, kind of ends here because we go back to Ridley Scott after this. Um, you mentioned at the top Jean-Pierre Junet, who is uh, a French director uh, who came to prominence in the very late 80s, early 90s. Um, his big sort of splash not splashy i mean it's you know it's a classic cult film but delicatessen was sort of what put him on the map yeah um is that a movie you've seen yes i have yeah yeah not in a long time not since college yes i did like it yeah same here i haven't seen it in probably 10 12 years um so he had like a collaborator from school who's basically an artist his name is mark caro uh and the two of them together made both delicatessen and then followed it up with City of Lost Children. which So those are the two features that kind of put Junet on the map. And I think that, you know, regardless of what you think about any of these movies, he's a guy, he's he's a aesthetically very interesting filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very French. Uh, <laughs> sort of uh, fantastical in his approach to things. Yeah. And he was definitely like a, a an interesting offbeat choice, I think, to direct this movie. Definitely, yeah, it is an interesting choice. Of, like, I can't imagine that happening today. You know, like, although I mean, there are yeah. like offbeat people who do end up directing Marvel movies or whatever. But we all know that right. like, essentially, they're direct. They're the action scenes are all directed by the same group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it is interesting that they've all four of these movies they've just given to a director and you know not not so much the case with fincher but it's just kind right. of been like hey right, have at it do your yeah. version yeah and i mean certainly i think that a an unbridled Jeunet film would have looked a bit different than this but he certainly got to put his stamp on on parts of this yeah um I mean, especially, I think, you know, the. I don't think that the newborn as a concept and in execution could exist this way in a film by another, uh, by by any other filmmaker in this in this series, at the very least. Um, hmm. Yeah, that takes that takes some of the the very weird, interesting stuff that makes this guy tick uh, to make it onto the screen. But. Yeah, I think the, the director who got the furthest along in the pre-production process before they finally landed on Junet was actually Danny Boyle, which I think would have made for another pretty interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Movie. He, yeah, you know he uh, he's a weird one because he doesn't really have. I I've heard him described along with like Michael Winterbottom as like, mm-hmm. and I would actually say even Ridley Scott as mm-hmm. like the opposite of an auteur. 
Sure. Where like they're talented filmmakers who have made great things, but they don't have a style. You know what I mean? I mean, Danny Boyle has a style insofar as like it's frenetic. Frenetic. Right? Yeah, I guess I guess that is the closest that Boyle. Yeah. But I don't know that that's like if that's your whole style, then that doesn't like that's not the recipe for like a great filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I mean, the guy's made some really great movies. Oh, I like Danny and, Boyle, but I've also yeah. hated some Danny Boyle movies. Oh, too. yeah, he's made some shitty movies, too. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I guess I think about it like best case scenario. If if we had gotten like a 28 days later type effort from him. Oh, that'd be fucking cool. Yeah, like that version of an Aliens movie could have been could have been pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe uh, I'm just sick of these goddamn spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, I I 100% agree with that. Um, and the funny thing is, like, you know, Alien 3 got off the ship, and so did Aliens, for that matter, but yeah. they end up in these places that still feel like spaceships. They look like space. They And all these th- last three movies have similar vibes in that, mm. like, it's, like, dirty, industrial right really like shitty looking spaceships yeah. yeah i mean this one looks more 1997 whatever the fuck it does that yeah means, it, but it means something i just can't put my finger it's on funny that it you is. brought up jason x because i think i brought it up in like maybe the last one or the one before but this one definitely reminded me of jason x yeah yeah absolutely um yeah uh so the other the elephant in the room so the script came first um and the script came from one of the hottest writers in Hollywood at the time, the now much maligned, very controversial Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's this is such a it's such a fraught thing because it's like I want to I don't want to spend a portion of our podcast, a significant portion talking about Joss Whedon outside the context of this yeah. movie. But I also don't want to be like uh, conspicuously silent on about the Joss issue. Whedon. Yeah, yeah, right. Why didn't the Kill Street guys give their opinions on Joss yeah. Whedon? Yeah. So I'm. So I've decided that here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend roughly 15 seconds addressing Joss Whedon, and then I'm going to move on talking about this movie. Okay. Uh, I really, really loved Joss Whedon at one point in my life. Sure. Um, I still have a lot of affection for the Buffy the Vampire. Slayer show. I actually really like the feature movie too. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of that. I think it's super underrated. Um, I think he had a very specific style as a writer that, again, aged poorly. It worked really well yeah. for a period of time, but it doesn't really hold up. And I think that a lot of his later efforts are sort of uh, poor echoes of that. And as a as an individual, he sounds like a really shitty guy and not an exceptionally shitty guy. He sounds like a guy that you run into a lot in Hollywood, which is just sort of abusive and misogynistic and the type of person who does a lot of trying to cover up for his own shortcomings by um, being very demonstrative about his feminism and his activism And so this is a true, like, two things can be true at the same time. He was, at a time, a very talented writer. He also is someone who created a lot of really good uh, roles and scripts for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the same time, it sounds like he was a terrible spouse and an abusive boss and uh, not a great guy. So, uh, yeah, that's... That's that all those things are in my head all at once. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think I have much more to add to that. I feel very similar. Um, and I, I, 
the things the things that I've been most annoyed with Joss Whedon mm-hmm. lately, other than the obvious things about him being abusive, all that shit. I just right. mean as like a writer and director. Mm-hmm. Is he seems like he takes a he tries to take a lot of big swings with these giant franchises like this and like yeah. make it his own, which I mm-hmm. you know I guess on one level I appreciate, but I never I typically don't like his versions of these big budget things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and like this being a good example of like I think I don't think the script of this movie is very good. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I could see there's some definite, definite Joss Whedon things in it mm-hmm. um, that just did not work for me, especially in the context of the larger franchise. Even yeah. Fincher's even Fincher's was a departure, but I still think it worked within the context of Aliens, of Alien yeah. and Aliens. Yeah, and I agree with you. And it's interesting because, you know, I think at the time or more in, in, in years past, you would have looked at a movie like this and a script by Joss Whedon like this one. And you would have said, well, his, his strength is the dialogue. He writes punchy dialogue and it's kind of sardonic and fun and smart. The plot of this movie is a fucking it's not even a mess. It's just boring. It is. Um, <laughs> it's like not an interesting plot. It has a couple good ideas, but they're not served well by the film. And I don't think they're and we don't really spend time in the right places or expand on the right concepts. And I don't know how much of that falls at the feet of Janae, who basically was not a functional English speaker at the time that he made this movie. He worked the set with a with a full time translator. Oh, okay. So I'm sure that didn't help. And, And Whedon is on record as saying that, like, he feels like. A lot of people, when they criticize a movie that gets made of their script, will say, like, oh, they changed all these things and my script was great and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this was actually at least an interesting quote. He basically said, that's not true. Like, this is my script. It's just the execution on everything was bad. Mm. Like, he's like, everything that I wrote is on the screen in some way, shape or form. But he's like, I think the casting was bad. I think a lot of the line deliveries are terrible. I think, mm-hmm. that, you know. Just like a lot of the choices that they made were bad choices. And I'm sure that some of that is true. You know, it's a Um, it's a big and loud movie. And I don't mean it in like guns firing. I mean, like, right. It's over the top. Like Dan Ripley dunks a basketball. Ripley dunks a basketball. Yeah, (laughs) that's fucking crazy. Yeah, it does not belong in this movie or in this series. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeez, Anyways, heated already. <laughs> yeah. So Joss Whedon wrote this script. Um, he it got rewritten a couple times, but you know, all by him. Like he had he had to do a lot of rewrites, but this was his script. Um, and Jeanne was brought on. Uh, Mark Caro did help him with some, uh, you know, storyboarding and some some creative ideas at the outset, but didn't ultimately didn't want to work on the movie because he felt like it was essentially to, you know, to make a long story short, too much of a sellout type of move. Mm. Um, and, you know, perhaps not surprisingly, this was Junet's first and last uh, American film. Mm. Um that this is it. He came to Hollywood, he made Alien Resurrection and then uh, turned around and. Uh, four years later, made Amelie, which a lot of people would argue is his best movie. I and love it's a it. movie that I love, I love. I truly love. I think it's one of the great romantic, you know, Me comedies too. ever made. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, this is certainly not his best effort. I think um, it's also the first movie that wasn't shot in London. Um, mm. They shot this uh, in. 
the U.S. They shot it in L.A. It's uh, I forget which studio it's uh, mostly at. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, they built a whole underwater set for the underwater sequence in this movie, which I will say I do kind of like. Yeah, that's a cool part. Um, That reminded me of Deep Blue Sea. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it did. Better days, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess that tells you something. Deep Blue Sea, when did that movie come out? Mm, Um, Is that 99? 99? In this in this ballpark, and I'll say that movie is you know manages to be dumb, big fun in a way that this movie I think misses. Uh, yes, I think it is. Uh, it, it's in some ways a better Alien movie than than. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you replace those sharks with xenomorphs, you've got a better Alien. Yeah, you got movie. a fucking cool ass movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, it's. I mean, that's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, contemporary movies so i made a quick list here so these are uh there are two other three other sci-fi or sci-fi horror adjacent movies came out the same year i believe i might be off by a year on one of these so don't at me okay. um but listen to these movies same year 1997 starship troopers hell yeah the fifth element hell yeah and event horizon Hell yeah. And Event Horizon, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who was originally one of the people who was maybe going to direct this one. Oh, really? Um, Huh. Yeah. And not to like, I don't want to like shit all over this movie, which I think has, uh, it definitely has its ups and downs, but I'm going to go ahead and say, I think I like Event Horizon better than I like this movie. I think I like Event Horizon better than this too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, but it's interesting to think about how uh how interconnected all these things are and you can sort of see the ways in which this movie missed the mark right because starship troopers that's literally a movie about space marines fighting aliens yes right and it's a movie with a lot more interesting stuff on its mind it was certainly not appreciated as much uh, when it came out no but, but i mean it's like a great satire it's like really it's, honestly like a great movie <laughs> it, it's it's a brilliant satire like so yeah. subtle i mean it, some of it's very subtle some of it's not but the fact <laughs> right. that it flew under the radar without people even really realizing that it was a satire yeah. is pretty mm-hmm. amazing <laughs> yes definitely um and i think fifth element is just like it's a much bigger much more ambitious sci-fi movie with much more interesting set design, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's a bit of a mess of a movie, but I th- I find it to be a very very entertaining. It's mess. very watchable. Yeah, definitely. And then Event Horizon is like a kind of a perfect example of how to do how less can be more in a movie like this. Yeah, right. Where it's just like it's just a haunted spaceship movie that just is pretty down the middle, but in a way that's I I find very satisfying. It's a scary movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this movie. I mean, not to spoil the the Carpenter's. Uh, sorry, the craven scale mm-hmm. not a not a scary movie no um, no yeah um okay so yeah i mean as far as anything else goes it, there's not much more behind the scenes stuff to talk about other than the fact that uh sigourney weaver happy to hear she basically she got paid for this one good um yeah she got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 11 million dollars to appear in this movie um which I think was maybe more than she made for the first three combined. Wow. Like, I mean, the, the first one she made like less than half a million. It was. Wow. I mean, it was, I, I, I want to say it was even less, it was closer to like a quarter million. She maybe made that much for the original alien. So that's insane. Uh, yeah. I'm glad she got paid for this. She's never bad, but she's, yeah. oh 
man, her character is weird. But she's been better three times before. Exactly. Yeah, she's been (laughs) better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Yeah. I mean, otherwise, uh, other than that, there's not much more to really talk about here. This is the first movie that actually has full fledged CGI aliens in it. Oh, interesting. Um, Some of them look good. Some of them look really bad. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's hit and miss uh, for sure. But. Uh, yeah, that's all I really wanted to cover. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we move into our synopsis? No, I think we covered it. Um, yeah, we'll get into, there's just some of the performances that like in another movie, I think are very good and very funny, mm-hmm. but just, yeah, yeah. Well, but I, I see it in my notes. We'll get to them when, when I cover, when we go through the, the recap, but that uh, sounds good. all right, guys, sit tight. I'm going to drain the main vein and then we'll get back. And recap this movie. Five bad movies. We live in a world where people can be turned into owls, apparently. Apparently. I know this is shocking. Three role-playing gamers. He whips out a Bunsen burner, lights it up, and uses it like a torch to torch the ghosts. He's gonna torch ghosts. We're torching ghosts. Holy shit. One bizarre podcast. Should we try to dissuade these gentlemen or just go straight to murder? We do the old murder talk. I murder some talk to others i want to give you a token for reading ass magazine the whole time he was digging oh thank you i think that's very in character oh much appreciated no i hate magic i hate magicians i've had a big fear of magicians ever since i was a kid okay I've, great hey what? kids who wants to see a magician <laughs> subscribe to worst movies ever played wherever you get your podcasts Bert, i got a loaded gun and a ralph's back here oh god <laughs> What's an owl doing with a loaded gun and a hand grenade? Okay. Jesus. Okay. So, uh, I think, I think in the interest of bringing the audience in. Yeah. Let's see what happened. We just lost the first 14 minutes of this record. Mm -hmm. It was hot stuff. You guys, it was, was we were actually like, it was going real well. And it was yeah. also the second time we had restarted because <laughs> yes. I messed up on the recap the first time because I, I went too far down. Anyway, yeah. we're going to get through we were it. We bobbing and weaving. There were some jokes. The jokes were flying. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're going to come up with all new ones for you guys because I don't want to give you recycled material. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there's anyways. one thing we never do here at Killstreak <laughs> is repeat ourselves. That's right. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the extended version. Um Marginal differences from the theatrical cut. I'll call them out when we see them. Yeah, and one of the big differences um, is that this opening we like have these xenomorph teeth that open up. You think it's a xenomorph, but no, it pulls out. It's a little little CGI bug, which uh, <laughs> looks like hot shit. It does not look good, and it's so bad that I thought when I was watching it, like, oh, this is probably just like a clever production title card where it's like it'll be like little bug productions (laughs) and i mean this is cgi that was paid for for the the quadrilogy release of the extended cut so it's oh okay we'll give them a little bit of slack there yeah it's the cheapest thing you can get on the you know out there uh unfortunately this little bug gets squashed by this futuristic dude sipping a big gulp He like yeah, futuristic big gold. Future it's like in a it's like in a silver <laughs> mug. Uh he like tries to flick it off his finger and then finally uses his straw to spit the bug against a window. It splatters. We pull out, we see this big, you know, space station that he's in, starship that he's in. Title card. It's the USN Ariga. 
Here we go again. Third time's a charm. Third, I'm going to do this joke a third time. Ariga. Um, it was better the, the first time. Yeah. And then it was okay the second time. <laughs> then it, was, it was okay the second This is about the same quality as the second yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, has 42 enlisted officers on it. It's a uh, research vessel, medical research vessel. And we see little little baby, well, child Ripley clone in mm-hmm. a tank has Sigourney Weaver's adult face on it, though. Yeah. Push in on it. Get some VO of like, mommy, my mommy always said there are no monsters, real ones, but there are. We pull back and the Ripley clone is now an adult. Uh, they operate on her. We meet Brad Dorif, who's playing Gediman and... Uh, one of the most shocking reveals in the movie is that he turns around and has this big ass ponytail, a little ass ponytail, really, but it's like as right. a big silver holder. It, it, it has a big personality. <laughs> there you go. That's new material. I'm into yeah, it. Yeah. You guys wouldn't have gotten that in the first nope. two versions. <laughs> um, so they uh, surgically take out the xenomorph inside of Ripley because this is Ripley. Uh, this will come out later, but essentially, mm-hmm. this is Ripley cloned from blood, uh, taking like taken from her remains on the Alien Three planet, like two hundred years yeah. ago. Yeah, Fury One Six One. Yeah, exactly. So that Ripley had a a a queen inside of her. This one does too. They remove it, um, and then they are about to sew her back up, but she wakes up, grabs one of the doctors, and like smashes his face against the glass. Then uh, she wakes up in like a weird ass. Like they don't even give her a fucking bed. <laughs> I was kind of shocked. Yeah, it's a really. She, she's like it's a cell. She's on the floor of a cell. Yeah, like hard metal cell. Yeah, covered in this like cottony film. Um, she breaks out of it. She notices an eight tattooed on her arm. So technically this isn't Ripley. This is Ripley eight. That's her character name. Right. And, uh, yeah, we, we will learn very quickly that the cloning process had some added, I don't know if you want to call them bugs or features, but she's, she's special. Yeah, she is. She looks great too. I'll say Sigourney Weaver looks beautiful in this movie. Like she, She's like in her forties now, I guess. In this, I'm not yeah. not to be like ageist Kenda, about it or anything, but she Kenda called out her her guns. She's got some she yeah. she got some real arm strength. Yeah. She's got some Linda Hamilton guns in here. <laughs> um, so Gediman examines her. Her scar from three days ago is already healed. So, yeah, we will learn eventually that she heals quickly. She has superhuman strength because her DNA was like basically fused with a xenomorph and. Mm-hmm. Vice versa. Well, yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe it's a big spoiler. Um. Uh. So we meet Doctor Wren, who's kind of the resident scumbag doctor. Um. She ends up pissing Rip. He ends up pissing Ripley off. She grabs him and chokes him out. A guard rushes in, blasts her in the face with a stun gun. Uh. And then we get a quick scene where she's like doing some psych tests. Uh, where she's like recognizing some everyday objects. Uh, we meet Dan Hedaya as General Perez, who's watching on the yes. other side of like a you know two way mirror or whatever. 
Yeah, Dan Hedaya, who it should be noted, has just walked in from a completely different movie. Yeah, totally. He is big in this movie. He's going for it. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I, I yeah, even, he's great. I even like him in Rest this movie, in but I don't. No, that's I like his character, and I like what he's doing. I don't like it in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, rest in peace. Hairy ass shoulders. It's revealed. Oh, <laughs> Another yeah. Another shot later on. <laughs> and I like, I mean, I, I, I've always appreciated that in a movie when one of these hairy ass dudes is just like, yeah, man, I own it. Yeah, like a real Jim Con type. <laughs> James Con. <laughs> yeah, just, just like, all right. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not your target audience. So whatever. All I'm saying is that's all I can think of when I see that is like getting your shoulder hair caught in my mouth. <laughs> <somehow>. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what I we're just up to. Picture it. It's, <laughs> it's just like oh, he's uh, a big shoulder. Uh, Mike loves to lick shoulders. I'm a shoulder guy. I'm a shoulder what guy. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't kink shame me. Yeah. Sorry, I never meant to. Uh, it was around this time where I came up with a brilliant riff about great. how we should have T-shirts because xenomorphs are scary. Uh, oh well, because I called myself. I said. <laughs> Oh right, because I, yeah. So what? What were we talking? We were talking about, we were talking about how uh, a lot of the performances oh, we, we, in this movie, yes, ba- because yeah. of Dan Hedaya. That's what made me mm-hmm. think of it again. Yeah, uh, the performances are very, very uneven. Where some people yes. are really being big and comic, other people mm-hmm. aren't, and you get a sense of like there's just no unity with the actors. Yes. And I posited the theory that Jean Pierre Junet as a non English speaker. Uh, is it's probably pretty difficult in circumstances like these to give solid direction on line readings to your actors when you don't speak the language that they're delivering their lines. In. Right. Um, and one of and the actors in the movie who does do a pretty good job is uh, uh, Dominique Pignon. Uh, Pino. Pino. <laughs> Pino. Um, and he and you pointed out rightly yeah. that he's a native French speaker. Yes, and a con- and and a frequent collaborator of Genet's. Um and then uh I felt self-conscious like maybe this was a, a xenophobic take. <laughs> um because I was just like, well, he doesn't speak English, so he's you a bad speak director. American if you're going to yeah. make movies here. This is clearly not what I said and then I tried to cover my ass on that by pivoting into a bit about how I'm just a bit of a xenophobe, but like for xenomorphs like i'm afraid of xenomorphs and so this is my pitch for you guys would you buy a shirt that would get us all canceled that says xenophobe and is a picture of a xenomorph like crossed out like the ghostbusters yeah that's my pitch would you guys Mm -hmm. buy it also what is that circle cross out thing called because we don't know yeah yeah and this is pretty much where we ran out so we're 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 caught up now so from here on out, you guys are getting fresh material. Getting some good stuff here now. <laughs> I think I think we did pretty well. And you know what? We shaved off about three minutes for y'all. So uh, you're welcome. You know, no need to thank us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um. So, uh, Getaman, uh, Brad Dorf explains that she's she's basically now operating mentally like an adult, and she, some of her and memories are coming back to her. They're inherited memories. Uh, like apparently, like the xenomorphs. They have a hive mind, essentially, right? Like, I think it's, mm-hmm. that's one of the explanations. I mean, to a degree, yeah. I think they're at least implying that. Um, 
And then I noticed that Brad Dorf sounds just like Matt Besser in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a slight She's southern drum. She's a queen. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, that's all I got. So Perez wants to examine her further. Um, they have these weird breathalyzer locks, which... <laughs> Pretty, yeah. it's kind of funny. Like they it's breathe into It's one of the handful locks. of like interesting, weird future notes in this movie that I like, but I don't know how much sense they make. There's another one coming up uh, that I'll point out as well. But yeah, it's yeah. I guess you breathe on it. It's as opposed to as opposed to like a retinal scan. Yeah, which uh, is somehow this is like hundreds of years in the future and a less a somehow less secure, less futuristic yeah. technology. <laughs> Um, so then they, he walks over to their real pride and joy, which is the alien queen, the xenomorph queen in like a cell. Is this the part, is this the point where we see like, we see the queen, we see her like laying a, or no, we just see her, her head. We just, we just see her head from behind. Yeah. Uh, in the cafeteria, Ripley is like looking at her fork and Brad Dorf's like fork. Uh, like, cause she doesn't know the word for it. And she's like, how did you, and he like picks up from there. He's like, oh, he explains how he got her. They got her DNA when she died and clone her, cloned her. Um, we learned that Wayland yutani the company, is mm-hmm. no longer, this is too yeah. far in the future. Um, because she's like, oh, you know, you got that queen. She's going to kill everybody. And if they don't, the company will or whatever, some shit like that. Uh, then Dr. Ren comes in. He's being a total creep. He tries to convince Ripley <laughs> that what they're doing is for the good. It's always like the company wants the aliens for whatever their dark purposes are. And he wants to train the queen. And she's like, you can't teach it tricks. He's like, why not? We're teaching you. Which, okay, yeah. so all of a sudden she can talk. And like, right. really, it goes from like, I don't know what a fork is to talking in full sentences. It yeah. bugs me. <laughs> it doesn't totally make sense. I, I mean, I feel like they want you to buy into this idea that, like, she, the cloning somehow has caused her to inherit all of these memories from prior Ripley. Right. Right. So she does recognize and remember things that have happened before. So I guess I gave it a little bit of leeway in that respect where it's like, I don't know, somehow they, like, cloned her brain, too. Right, and, yeah. You know. Like, like her, but it seems like her brain, or like... When you're downloading something from the cloud, where uh-huh. it's like, oh, oh, now that picture is available. It's like that seems like yeah. what her memory and her language is. It's like it's slowly downloading. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I like. Yeah, that. why not? Uh, then we meet the Betty, the other like a commercial freighter. It's filled with a bunch of scumbags. We got uh, what's the guy's name? It's it's just the proto crew of the fire. Yeah, it really is. Like, it really is. Yeah, Elgin is the captain. He has a great deep voice. I didn't recognize him at all. Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott. Is he from something I should know? Yeah. Um, he's in The Crow. Oh. I want to say he's in Strange Days. Okay. Um, he's in he's in all over a bunch of nights. He's fucking great. I don't I hope I hope he's not somebody who's been canceled for something. Because I'm like, I love that guy. I wish he wasn't in I wish he was in more stuff. He has a really cool thing. voice. He has an amazing voice. Um, 
And uh, yeah, he's English. Let's see. What else did you know? Yeah, Robin Hood. He plays uh, Guy of Gisborne. He plays the Sheriff of Nottingham's right-hand man. Okay. Remember that? Um, he's in the Doors movies and Born on the Fourth of July. So he's like stuff. all over the, the 90s. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, he's in Dead Man, one of my favorite movies. Oh, that movies. movie's great. Um, yeah, he starts to sort of, I mean, he's kept working like through into the 2000s. Along came a spider, mm. Treasure Planet. Uh, I don't know that one at all. <laughs> he's in the Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of cooled off in the last decade, although he shows up in Westworld. So mm. in 24, I've been meaning the, the reboot. Should I go back to Westworld? I watched the first season. No, don't. Okay. The first season is the only good season. I like the second season was shitty and I bailed halfway through the third season. Okay. Um I think you you are in the best possible position of just having seen the first season. Hold on to whatever fun memories you All have. right. All right. Um yeah. we meet Vries who is the aforementioned Dominique Pignon. Pignon. Uh, Pignon. Pignon. Uh Call who's Winona Ryder, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, she's like, uh, they're like, like technicians or something. They're like working on fixing something up. He tells her mm-hmm. a body joke and she likes him. She's fine with him. Um, yeah, the body joke doesn't appear in the theatrical cut. Oh, really? Yeah. We have, uh, Christy who's played by Gary, uh, Dordain. What's his name? Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. Dordan. Dordan. Um, and, uh, then Johnner. Um, oh, Gary, uh, sorry. Christy has like those taxi driver arm guns that like pop yeah, out of like the sleeves. sleeve guns. Yeah. yeah. Those are always cool. It's always fucking cool. Yeah. So impractical, like but always cool. And then Johnner, who's Ron Perlman, who again with Dan Hedaya, he is doing some big choices in this movie. And I don't know if it works for me. Yeah, Ron Perlman can be great, but he doesn't do much for me here, for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's like, it is it is a classic case of like, I was like, oh yeah, Ron Perlman's in this. He's I love Ron Perlman. And then throughout the whole movie, I'm like, this character is annoying. Yeah. He, yeah. He's kind of doing like a Tom Waits impression at the beginning, but that kind of gets abandoned eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He like sticks a knife, he like drops a knife right into Vries's legs. Because Vries, we learn, ha- is like paralyzed from the waist down in a wheelchair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel it. Um, Call stands up for Vries. They have like a little back and forth. Uh, and, and I want to say, right from the jump in this very first confrontation between Call and Johnner, Winona Ryder, fantastic actor, one of the best of her generation, was a huge fan, still am. She's not right for this no she's not she's so way just a bad it's yeah it's bad casting for this role yeah yeah i mean she is a small small woman right like i think she really mm-hmm. is and she just looks she's not right she's not right for this part you need more of a right. sigourney weaver type absolutely and like you could you could pull off a transformation she could start here sure and become tough by the end of the movie but she doesn't. She's just she plays it the same way through. Or if she if she did something really badass during this mm-hmm. opening scene, uh, right. like you know, like if they were if they were face to face and she like grabbed him and like put him in a, you know, some sort of martial arts hold that like hurt him. Mm-hmm. Give give him a noogie. Yeah, give him a noogie. Hit the pressure point <laughs> right on the top of his head, which unlocks his head. Um, 
like that, then you can be like, okay, she's small, but she like, you know, she can handle herself, but she doesn't do much as call. Uh, okay. So she, no. um, they dock in, in the, uh, Awuga, Ariga, <laughs> and we see Vries is in his wheelchair. They all get scanned by the guards for guns. because There's no guns allowed. Yeah. Uh, and we have a bunch of, I, I do like how they handled this scene. Cause we get a bunch of things that set off the metal detector. Right. But each one of them, they're like, there's a different explanation. An expl- yeah. It's like Johnner gets scanned in his leg holster and he opens up his duster and he has a, like a flask of booze that he is homemade booze. Yeah. Freeze mm-hmm. has his wheelchair. Oh, I should right. mention too. There's also Hillard uh, played by Kim flowers. Um, yeah. She doesn't get much to do. She doesn't get much to do. Um, and she's like the, you know, she's with El- Elgin. Yeah, as like his girlfriend. Um, I'm sure she's more than that. She's I don't want to define her just as Elgin's girlfriend. <laughs> she's Elgin's girlfriend with a really hot underwear scene coming up. <laughs> oh my god! That is, yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Kenda was like, oh my god, look at that butt. Yeah, it's real, it's real good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, per, basically Perez uh, Hadea gives Elgin his crew uh, his money for the cargo that they're hauling in. And there's a cool, I actually like this like technology. He's like, you drinking, man? And he's like, oh, what does he say? He's like, you, you drink? He's like, uh, constantly. Constantly. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. And then uh, he pulls out this like, it unwraps like a whiskey cube and then zaps it with a mm-hmm. laser and it turns into a liquid. I like that. Yeah. I had a note about this when we were talking about the breath spray or the, the, the mouth uh, security thing. This was the other thing that I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like the one yeah. future tech that's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And those are pretty much the two additions to like future technology in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> two things that's like, of- yeah, that works. But like, uh, maybe it's not the best system. Just kind of ran out of gas. Like, okay, we got the two future things. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, Hadea is really pervy about call. He's like, Hey, who is that? Uh, that girl you brought on and Elgin <laughs> describes her as she is severely fuckable. It's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. You can imagine Joss Whedon writing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're going to stay for two days with bed and board. Uh, he's good with that. They just can't go into any restricted areas. All that has to be on good behavior. Do not get into fights. Um, and then we see what their cargo is. They're wheeling, like calling Christy are wheeling in these like bodies in stasis pods. We don't really know what they are yet. Um, they get wheeled into the med center. And oh, actually, no, we do know what they are because we immediately see what they are. <laughs> they're wheeled into the yeah. med center and they're all set up with like face hugger eggs in front of them. The eggs pop open. One of the dudes wakes up and starts screaming. We cut to black. So they're up to some nefarious shit with those face hugger eggs. Oh, yeah. And then here we go. Ripley dunks a basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will say it's all in all of the act in all of the movies we've covered. Sigourney Mm -hmm. Weaver probably is the only actress who can dunk a basketball. (laughs) <laughs> yeah with these boots on i think i believe she could do yeah. it um it is one of these i mean it's just i don't want to 
I don't want to be too hard on anybody, but like movies just don't like there are like three movies ever that don't fuck up basketball. Yeah. Like it's just there are people that can naturally dribble a basketball and people that cannot. It is a skill that needs to be learned. It is not one you can learn in a week on a film set. And it's like as athletic as Sigourney Weaver looks um, and as good of an actor as she is. She looks crazy dribbling a basketball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she dunks it and it's fucking insane. It's insane. Yeah, anyways, we can move on. No, but like this is around the point where I'm like, all right, what the fuck is this movie? What is this movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Johnner comes in with his crew. You know it can't lay off the tall ones. Challenger challenges her to some one-on-one. She like is kind of getting all flirty with them. She like puts the ball, like kind of puts her arms around him, holding the ball mm. on the other side. Yeah, and it's like also Ripley clone Ripley eight. What are you? What? Why? Where is this coming from? Like she's got a lot of tood. All of a sudden, she has so much tood. She has too much goddamn yeah. tood in this movie. And I'm sick right. of these melty broads. That's no, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, but it's just like it doesn't We're- feel like. I know it's not technically Ripley, but it sort of is. It's mm-hmm. nothing like Ripley. Like Ripley takes yeah. charge. She's a strong person, but she's not mm-hmm. like sassing people. Right. I don't know. Yeah. A, a, she'll tell a wry joke here and there, but this is just so over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if you don't know, if you don't want to play basketball, I know some other indoor sports. Okay. <laughs> what do you think he meant by that? Um, like is he talking about like shuffleboard or something or like Floor ping hockey? pong? Yeah, maybe. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. That was so weird. Probably something that takes up a smaller space because it's a spaceship. So ping pong's a good guess. I just thought it was weird that he brought that up and didn't say what he thought, what he was thinking of. You would think he would just say, "Hey, I do you want to fuck stuff, like and stuff." Oh wait, what? You know, I because I think that's what he was thinking. What? Yeah, he wanted really? to have sex with Rip- Ripley. Yeah. No, he said indoor sports. Well, right, but I think that's because he was nervous, and so he was afraid to admit that he really wanted to sleep with her. No, so he changed the subject. To no, sports. I'm fucking. I'm totally sports. fucking with you. This whole time. <laughs> I I couldn't tell if you could tell I was fucking. With, uh, yeah, I oh, know. Okay. I was doing. <laughs> we both just deadpanned ourselves out of a joke. <laughs> We were, hey, we're I mean, too I good was at, yes and you, you know, we're too good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's nothing I like better than just trying to play chicken with somebody's <laughs> dumb premise. Uh, sorry, that was loud in, in the microphone. Hey, we're having fun. That's good. Um, yeah. uh, she ends up beating him up. <laughs> she kicks the shit, kicks the out, shit of out of him. Thought, it seems like maybe she might kill him for a second. And then Christy like comes to his defense, hits her in the face with like this metal banister thing. Yeah. To no effect, but her nose does start bleeding. Uh she beats him up. So this is how we learn she has superhuman strength and is also able to do a no look three pointer behind her back. <laughs> now this is a famous behind the scenes story that they shot this for like two hours. They they did like forty takes and she kept missing it. And at a certain point, Janae was like, we're just going to do it CGI. Like, we're just going to stitch two shots together. Like, don't worry about it. And she's like, no, I'm going to get it. And then, you know, they finally got it. And uh, not only 
did the ball leave the frame so it's like ostensibly it could be stitched stitched together together. anyways but a ron perlman broke because they had been sitting through so many takes of it that when she actually made it he went oh fuck to the camera (laughs) (laughs) so they had to cut around that too oh no (laughs) yeah but that's amazing sigourney weaver did make it ultimately um and then she flicks some of her blood from her nose on the ground and we see that her blood is acidic because mm-hmm. she's got that xenomorph DNA. Yeah, dog. Uh man, that would be I that would, I can't imagine a more nerve-wracking situation than like having to <laughs> hit a hit like a behind the back bat like a three-pointer sure. or something. I would be so I just fucking after stressed. The, after the first like 10 misses though, you just kind of yeah, get yeah, we'll on autopilot. That's yeah. true. Or I, I would have just as soon as Jean-Pierre Genet would be like, hey, we'll do it in post. Don't worry. I'd be like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you belong behind the camera, Eric. Um, so then we get that cool-ass butt shot. Hill- uh, Elgin's giving Hillard a foot massage. Ooh, hey, yeah. yeah. Hillard's butt is... It's a real butt. It's a, it's a real butt. butt. It's for pooping. <laughs> it's for sitting. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Listen, when I <laughs> when when I stare at butts, I pretend that they don't do those things. Okay. Yeah. Well, the sitting. I would fun. appreciate it. I would appreciate it if no sitting's disgusting. <laughs> it's a silent killer. It's just as dangerous as <laughs> that's, smoking. That's what they say. Um, Call is drinking with Johnner and uh, uh maybe Christy. What's in the shit? Battery acid? Just for the color. That's a funny line. Yeah. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Dorf, Brad Dorf, Gediman, is looking at the queen. Dorf on aliens? <laughs> He's standing on his knees <laughs> in, inside his shoes. Um, it's The queen starts pounding her head against the window, looking all scary. And he like goes right up to it and like kisses it. I believe this is, isn't this one of the uh, the drones? Oh, is this a drone? I thought it was the queen. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, I think, you're probably I think right. this is... This is a drone that they have hatched remarkably fast from the uh, from the the people that the Betty brought aboard. Oh, see, I assumed that it was just like previous. I got you. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense because it doesn't have the big head. Yeah, and it's it's smaller. Yeah, you're right. It seems like he wants to fuck it though. <laughs> He's like kissing the window. Yeah, yeah, he definitely licks the window, and I think he whispers, "Put him on the glass." At one um, <laughs> the drone scares him by like pounding her second, the second mouth against it. Then he gashes it to punish it. And it's like, you know, that's basically like spraying the cat with the, uh, yeah. Spray bottle for these xenomorphs. Right. But it's like, it looks like, what is it? Some sort of like liquid nitrogen. Yeah. That's what we end up learning like is liquid nitrogen. Uh, but I, yeah. I, at first I thought it was like s- steam or something. Sure. It's either hot or cold. It's unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, Call tries to drink her cup with boxing gloves on and spills it, and Jonner gets all mad. You know this shit costs. Uh, tells her to screw, so she she leaves. But then I guess it was all a ruse because really she wants to do yeah. some poking around the ship, which I will say was a relief because I didn't love her drunk act. I didn't either. And so to find out that she was faking it almost like retroactively makes me not upset about it, and yeah. not to talk shit. Winona Ryder knows what it's like to be drunk. 
much. <laughs> off limits. Oh, Eric. Sorry, sorry. Ah, uh, she's. I love her. Um. So she she bypasses the. She heads into a department store and. What's? <laughs> yeah, she, I just have a little bit of of uh, you know, ill will because she ripped off my dad's department store. <laughs> <laughs> That was Goslin and Sons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're a small Fine boutique goods. business, and like, we can't, yeah. we can't have like that. We'll feel that. We feel that. <laughs> That's right. We're real, uh, a human business people. <laughs> right. Um. So she bypasses the uh, breathalyzer lock. She has like a whole like key ring full of people's breath. Apparently, <laughs> it's pretty funny. It is. Yeah. And she finds, uh, she opens up the cell. She finds Ripley just sleeping on the ground with no bed. Uh, I didn't really pick up on this until it kind of was. Oh, uh, no, I guess I did because I wrote it. <laughs> the next line. She's going to kill <laughs> Ripley. <laughs> That's her original plan. Yeah. 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 And But Ripley wakes up. Well, you're going to kill me or what? There's no point in it, is there? They've taken it out of you. You mean my baby? So here we like Ripley has like a maternal connection to the xenomorph they've taken out of her. Again, it's like I don't like that. I don't like yeah. I can't explain why I don't like that, but I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't like it just seems like a real step backwards for the character of Ripley. Yeah. I guess. How how do you feel about this whole this that whole plot point just the entire conceit of ripley being cloned no yeah the but no more of like the maternal like i the alien is my child i am its mother now i mean it's an interesting idea i think that given a better script i could maybe feel it more um it's definitely I mean, it leads to some weird dynamics that I think are interesting. That I th- that I like. Yeah. Respect that they are. Um, I mean, they really go for it. You know, they do. Especially the end of this movie, like, really swings for some weird fucking fences, and I like respect that about it. I, but yeah. they don't pull it off very well. I think. I can. Um, I guess just like it starts. Rip all right, let's just think about the character of Ripley in the first three movies. Okay. We can identify with her in almost every way, right? Yeah. Especially part one. She's just mm-hmm. stuck on this fucking spaceship with this killer alien. Great. Right. Part two, she's reeling over, you know, we don't this is caught, but like she at one point had her daughter, which she has since lived past, you know, her, mm-hmm. her possible lifespan. She feels protective over Newt, has to go back to this other, this, uh, in, in, you know, confront the xenomorphs again, takes charge. Great. Part three, uh, finds herself in this awful planet, in this prison, and has to survive again. Mm-hmm. Part four, I have a xenomorph baby that was taken out of me, and I kind of love it. I'm not sure. And I'm also a clone. It's just like, wow, yeah. all of a sudden we've completely gone away from any sort of idea like i mean you know we can say like oh yeah we have parental feelings that we can right. tap into but as fucking joss whedon i don't think at this point when he was writing this is like oh parents this is really about pairing a parent i don't know if he right. has any fucking kids that dip shit <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's just like it's like takes it yeah. out of the realm of like identifiable. I can relate to this character in a really human level. To now, it's like what the fuck? What? Like it's it's yeah. like it's a big. I mean, listening to you run that all down, I I think I I have clarity over my feelings, and it's really this is how I remember feeling when I saw this in the theater. You know, fucking twenty three years ago. Yeah. Um, which is, it's like, it's not Ripley. That's the thing yeah, is it's like, this That's isn't true. really about bringing back the character of Ripley. What it's about is bringing back the act like Sigourney Weaver. That's true. That's right? true. And so for me, it's like, okay, well, in terms of plausibility, it works because it's not Ripley. Does it make me happy? No, not really. Yeah. Um, Because it's like the character of Ripley is dead and that's probably right. But also, it's like, I don't even like what Alien 3 did to her. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish, I mean, for the for all of the flaws and the things that I see as sort of marginal successes of Alien 3, I am upset with what they did to that character, who I think could have done more and deserved more. And it's like, as much as I can feel an attachment to a fictional character, I think Ellen Ripley is a character that I feel an attachment to. Yeah, me too. Because of the the degree to which I love those first two movies. And so, yeah, I think the third one did a disservice to her. And this one is it's like, yeah, if you're going to bring her back, I guess this is this is a logical way to do it. But she never really came back to me. This is just this is a clone of Ripley that is part alien. And that's her deal. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, You know what? I I was just thinking about it reminds me of um, a similar, you know, no, not a similar. It reminds me of similar feelings I have over another Ripley Scott movie, Hannibal, was mm. based on the Thomas Harris novel. He where did Hannibal? I think he directed Hannibal, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Where, spoiler for Hannibal, skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't seen Hannibal. I'll give you a <laughs> second. Okay. Uh, Clarice ends up like falling in love with, with uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And that really felt like a betrayal mm. of the character to me. It, it, I agree that, with you on that. I guess that's yeah. that's like I have similar feelings to these two things. But you bring up a great point that it's not Ripley. You're right. It's not Ripley. I got to get that out of my head. But that doesn't mean you have to like. Sure. It. That's sure. The thing, sure. Right. Yep. That's not a justification for it being a good choice. It just I think what it means is like that changes the way I think about it. But I think it's still something that I don't really like. That much. But I think that's something I didn't take into consideration enough while watching this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, call knows about the xenomorph somehow. Um, and then she tells Ripley she can help her. She can make all of this stop. Uh, and then Ripley just to like show how tough she is forces her, like calls knife through her hand. It doesn't even hurt her. And the blades Mm. like steaming with acid. The CGI steam looks terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then calls like Ellen Ripley died 200 years ago. You're not her perfect point, right. you know, period to the point you just made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ripley agrees. Ripley eight agrees. I'm not her. Um, and then, you know, we get some calls here to uh, help stop the queen. And uh, Ripley's like, no, you can't. It's too late. You can't stop it. Um, and then, oh yeah. So I was like, what the fuck is happening? Cause Ripley like grabs Call's face like all sexily. It's weird. Mm-hmm. There's like this tension in this scene. And um yeah, I don't know. It, it just didn't it's 
I mean, it's just a different performance note from Sigourney Weaver that I think it like runs through this whole movie. Is she is trying to do this weird, like, sexy thing? Yeah. And I mean, I'll say this: like, I, as far as I understand it, some of these choices are coming from Sigourney Weaver, who wanted to do something different in this movie. Sure. Like, you know, she wanted to play a different kind of character. I think, and you're seeing some of that, and it's just like, yeah, tonally, it doesn't really. It doesn't it doesn't totally work. It doesn't I think it doesn't even partially work a lot of the time. Uh all right, let's let's speed through some of these these yeah, things. Well until... it's a good time to speed through things because I'll say this too. Like we've gotten all of this uh, set up and then the plot just gets really painfully generic it does. for like yeah. most of the second and third act of this movie. Really until I will say that the third act it has some it has some weird stuff in it that's interesting but like the whole middle of this movie is just fucking blah like running around a ship stuff yeah exactly uh so call gets stopped by guards on the way out of ripley's cell she got caught um so now the uh you know perez and all the crew of the ariga are turning on the crew of the billy um betty the betty Bobby. i keep calling it the billy in my head for some reason yeah um and so they think that calls a terrorist and that the rest of the crew must be in on it somehow. There's a big standoff in the cafeteria mm-hmm. between guards and like Johnner and Christy, the other guys. Right. Christy pulls out his guns. There's a big shootout. Six guards are gunned down. One comes up behind Christy, pulls a gun on the back of his head. Christy like eyes the ceiling. This is in the time of the Matrix, right? This is pre-Matrix. Yeah. This is pre-Matrix, yeah. Okay, because this is a very Matrixy move. He looks up at the ceiling, shoots his guns up into the air, and ricochets a bullet down into the guard's head. It banks twice. Yeah. It hits something, clangs off another thing, comes down, hits the guard in the top of the head. So yeah. he's like this amazing trick shot. Yeah, he's- which is like a weird... It is an interesting thing that, like, in a better movie would, would like, feel like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. But instead, it's, like, barely done any service here. Yeah. It's just kind of odd. You know, they should have yeah. given him, like, a cybernetic eye or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you could be like, oh, that makes sense. That. And yeah. it's grounded in reality. Yeah. It just turns out. Yeah. And it just does come back one more time that it's, like, his thing is he's good at bank shots with bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, get him in, sees this all over the security camera. Um Elgin confronts Call about it. Like, what are you doing? Meanwhile, all the xenomorphs are getting riled up in their pens. They start to fight each other. Well, this is like one xenomorph has like a brilliant idea to kill another xenomorph and use its acid yeah. blood to get out. It's a cool sequence. Cool. I do like this. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, get him and examines that hole. And then a xenomorph grabs him, pulls him down into the abyss. Yeah. And that is one of the few shots in this movie that... I remember thinking is really cool is like looking down and yeah. seeing nine levels of like acid worn away in the ship. Totally. Um, You're reminded of yeah. that first in the first movie when the acid blood drips from the face hugger and they're like, Oh shit, right. that's going to breach the hole if we don't catch it. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, we find out that they're breeding aliens. That's like the whole purpose of this ship is to like, breed xenomorphs mm-hmm. an alarm goes off because the xenomorphs escape this is where we get the shot of dan hadaya's hairy ass shoulders like <laughs> backlit shoulders yeah arms too it comes all the way oh, down yeah. like the elbows yeah guy's got a lot of rug going on um 
And then another guard looks into that hole that Gediman got pulled into. And then a xenomorph is outside of the pen and pushes mm-hmm. that like liquid nitrogen gas button. Yeah. It freezes him. His like arm breaks off. That's pretty cool. Yeah, his his hand freezes to the wall, and as he tries to pull it away, it like snaps off above the wrist. And it's really gnarly. Yeah. Um, and it prompted this question. Does every futuristic movie from the 90s have <laughs> some kind of liquid nitrogen death in yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, you got Demolition Man aforementioned. Yeah. You got Demolition Man. You get it in Jason X. Jason X. Yep. Yeah. T2. Right. You get it here. So guess what? T2's got it. I did a little extra research. I only looked up one thing because I was like, it can't be. But I went ahead and I checked out the Leprechaun in Space movie. <laughs> And I just went to, you know, killcount.org or whatever it's called. And and I read down the deaths. And sure enough, my friend. No way. Leprechaun in Space has a liquid nitrogen murder in it. Oh, wow. The yeah. ultimate futuristic death. Getting frozen by liquid <laughs> nitrogen. Getting frozen by a thing that exists in the present day. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like reminds me of the really shitty Sony Spider-Man movie. Did you ever see that with with a uh, no Andrew I've never Garfield? Seen that, either of the Garfield ones. is bad. Yeah. And there's like a fight on top of a building with like tanks that are just labeled liquid nitrogen next to them. It's like, wow, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, Ripley is like sensing all of this xenomorph activity. She can like feel it inside of her. Uh, the Betty crew wants to get back to the Betty. Meanwhile, Vreeze has been poking around the ship. He's like stealing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he, there's an announcement that's broadcast that all cages are opening. Xenomorphs are like everywhere. And then a xenomorph is above Vreeze. And then this is cool. I like this little this yeah. little reveal that so he senses the xenomorph and he starts assembling a gun made of pieces of his wheelchair. So that it kind of brings back, you know, it definitely brings back the scanning of his wheelchair. And be like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. it's my wheelchair. Yeah. And this, this always stuck out to me as one of my favorite scenes in this movie that, that like stuck with me for a long time. When I was sitting down to watch this this week for the first time in probably 10 years, I was like, I remember this scene. I remember the underwater scene. And I remember the big climax with the newborn. And those are like the three things that I remember from this. Movie. Yeah, this is cool. Uh, so he assembles a gun, shoots at the alien. Meanwhile, Ripley punches a hole in her cell, pries it open, and cuts her head, her hand, on the metal, and then flicks her like acid blood to short out some wires, which opens a door. That's also kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, with Vreeze, some acid falls on her leg, which he doesn't feel imme- like right away. Then it drips on his ear. He starts screaming. The xenomorph comes back. He shoots at that. Um, there's a whole mess of people who are running to like a safety ship, like a drop ship. Yeah. In a xen- like they're strapped in. A xenomorph gets in there. Gore starts getting sprayed on the windows, kills everyone. Perez throws a grenade in there and blows the whole drop ship. And <laughs> there's like a funny moment where he salutes. Where he's saluting yeah. while it's exploding. Again, right. not really like tonally no. appropriate. But I mean, it is, it, it, you know, I say this as someone who has not seen nearly enough 
French movies to make this statement, but it feels very French. Sure, yeah, it has like that sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like things that aren't comedy, but just have a sort of like looseness to them. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, the xenomorph comes up behind Perez as he's saluting and punches a hole in his back with his second mouth. And fucking Hadaya basically goes cross-eyed. Did you notice that? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Need, yeah, I mean, it's like he got hit in the nuts or something in a comet in like ooh, like fucking ooh, Problem ooh. Child or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, yeah. Um. He like reach. Oh, he gets him in the back of the head because he reaches back and like pulls out a piece of his own brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also weird. Yeah, it's it's just like this movie. I really wish like. It does feel like it's caught a little bit in a shitty no man's land be- between being as weird as I imagine Janae would have liked to have made it. Yeah. And as down the middle as I suspect that Fox would have wanted it to be. And so you get things like this. You get him like reaching around and grabbing his brain and looking at it. But instead, they're just like little bits of weirdness that poke through what's otherwise like a pretty pedestrian movie. And I, I you like. There's a different there's like a a balance that could have been struck struck where you could get the kinetic energy of a Genet movie mm-hmm. with the seriousness of an aliens movie. Right. And combine that and it would be cool. But it's just like the more like broadly comic things that are happening. Like even just fill the fill the plane the uh plane. <laughs> fill the spaceship with your weird faced French movie actors yeah. who you like to put in everything. Great. Yeah. Give it some color. Give it some energy. Not literal color, because these movies are very drab. Not Maybe like <laughs> at this point, maybe a colorful alien movie would be cool. Sure. This is the closest thing we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get some of that in Prometheus with like some vistas and shit that look pretty cool. But it's in so the opening. Gray. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Elgin's walking around. A xenomorph pulls him down under, like, like through the flooring, and punches a, his second mouth through his belly. He dies. <laughs> oh, I just every time I hear you say second mouth, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, it the sounds Fran- like the French call it the second mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it sounds like something Dan Savage would put in, like a. <laughs> Like a sex column. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I need my readers to come up with a definition for a second mouth. <laughs> All right. Note taken. I'll try not to do that so much. No, I want you to keep saying it, please. <laughs> um. So he dies. She's- his crew finds him. They pulls him up. And then a xenomorph rises from behind call, like drops down behind them all. Mm-hmm. They run to like a locked door. They can't get through. And then the xenomorph passes over Elgin's body and is gonna like take a bite out of his chest when a barrel pokes through the chest. Yeah, blows the xenomorph in the like right, shoots him right in the head, and Ripley pops up. Yeah, out of the ground. Um, I want to ask you a very quick question. Yeah. What do you think about the um, makeup effects on the on the aliens in the non CGI the majority non CGI shots? How, I, how do you like? I think the I liked them. The yeah, I think I liked them. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's the strength of this movie, mm-hmm. um, especially the faces. I think they did a good job again. 
I think there was a little more consultation from Giger okay. on this one. Uh, I, he didn't get a credit on the movie, which is fucked up, and he was not happy about that. But he 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 did have a, a couple conversations, um, and they made some changes. But I think they do a good job with the teeth, and they like cover them with a lot of goo again. Yeah, a lot of very drippy. And yeah, I think overall, I think I I find them to be an improvement over the dragon from Alien. Yeah, 3. I agree. I agree. So this is what I'm talking about here. Ripley's like, so who do I have to fuck to get off this boat? <laughs> what? Yeah. Like Sigourney. Mm-hmm. If I were Sigourney Weaver, I'd be like, I'm not fucking saying that line. I guess I'm getting paid $11 million, but I, right. uh, I am the star of this fucking movie. I don't yeah. know, man. And like, why? Why does she talk like this now? Why? Give us a reason. Yeah. Um. What? Uh, okay. Anyway, Call tries to, like, I think, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'd say Call tries to, like, be like, she's not human. She's going to turn on us or some shit yeah. to the crew. She doesn't trust Ripley, uh, is the bottom line. Yeah, this is like a non starter subplot yeah. that gets revisited a couple times, which is just like trust between Call and Ripley. What are your motives? Blah, blah, blah. And it, like, goes nowhere. And it just, like... Right. It lingers for a while, and then it eventually resolves with the two of them having, like, a heart-to-heart. And it just, like, has no impact on anything, and it never feels important. It never does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Ripley rips out the second mouth of the alien and hands <laughs> it to Call. She's like, Call's it like, is, I can't believe you did that. It's like killing your own kind. In a series full of phallic shit. Yeah. If this is one, it's like it is just like it really just looks donger. like she's handing her a big floppy dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Here just, you go. It moves like a big floppy dick. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can use my imagination. <laughs> what a big, a bit. Yeah. what having a big floppy dick would be like. <laughs> Every night in my dreams, uh, the door opens. They all get freaked, but it's freeze. Who are you expecting? Santa Claus? Um, <laughs> so, Johnner is like, yeah, we have to get to the ship, but it'll be faster if we ditch the cripple. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He's a cool yeah. dude. Um, and Ripley senses that the ship is already moving. Oh, yeah, Dr. Ren is with them. I guess at yeah, some point. Yeah, he's captive. Yeah. And also, I should say, uh, Stefano. I think is also right. with him, played by Raymond Cruz, who who's in everything. Yeah, well, I I primi- primarily recognize him as Tuco from from Breaking Bad. Right. Yeah, he's great in Breaking Bad, but he also plays Ramirez in Under Siege. Uh huh. I don't know if you recall that. I mean, he basically. I would say that. For the 90s and early aughts, he's got to be one of the three most popular go-to like Latino actors for just like we need a Latino guy mm-hmm. in something. He's um, good in everything. He, uh, he's always Yeah, he's, he's really good. He plays a lot of military types. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he shows up in a lot of action movies and yeah, De Stefano is a weird name for him, but yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, it's an Italian <laughs> name. It doesn't really make sense yeah. looking at him. Um so Ren it tells him that the ship is returning back to home, which is Earth. It'll be in Earth in three hours. So they got they have a ticking time, uh, ticking clock now. Call wants to blow the ship. 
John is like, Earth, man, what a shithole. Um, <laughs> there's a funny moment where like Johnner and Ripley are walking in the hallway. She's like, so, uh, you, you've encountered these guys before. Yeah. So what'd you do? I died. <laughs> that is a line I like. And it's a, I'll say this. It's a very Joss Whedon line. It is. And this is the thing is like he hits and he misses and yeah, that's the kind of thing that like feels like good vintage Buffy type of dialogue and you know, it works. Um, on their way to the Betty or like, you know, try to redirect the ship or whatever the fuck <laughs> Ripley passes a cell and it has one through seven on it. And then she looks down at her eight tattoos like, oh, one through seven. I'm eight. Nah. Makes the connection. Puts, puts one through seven together. And- <laughs> seven, eight, nine. She gets scared. Um, <laughs> she opens a door and there are just a bunch of fucked up clones and tubes. I love a good fucked up clone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this was a more original idea, I would be really into yeah. it. But it is. Like, this is a very, like, this is well-trod territory. It is. We get a bunch of xenomorph human hybrids, basically. You know, there's, like, one woman. It's, like, Ripley's. They're all Ripley's. One has, like, an extended mouth through the back of her head. And one is straight up has, like, a xenomorph head but a human body. Mm-hmm. Um, And then she sees one that's a total fucking mess that's still alive. It has, like... You know, its arms, its legs are where its arms should be. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Its torso looking. is all like big and flat and sort of like resting on. It's like almost molded to like the, the medical bed that it's on. It's horrifying. Yeah, it is. And it, yeah. it whispers, kill me like a, a call back to aliens. Mm hmm. Um, Ripley call hands Ripley a flamethrower and Ripley torches it, torches everything else. And this is my note. Uh, flamethrower, possibly the most painful weapon yes. possible for a yes. mercy killing. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently burning to death is one of the worst guns. ways to die. <laughs> yeah. Shoot her in the head with a gun and then burn the whole room. Um. So this is another example of like what what the fuck is the tone of this movie yeah uh because johnner's like hmm, must be a chick thing <laughs> what yeah it's like it doesn't even make it sense. doesn't even make sense yeah um so there's a you know de stefano is leading the crew around there's an escape pod um that all of the uh oh yeah, yeah sorry there's looting the leading the people around they find an escape pod and everybody in there are the people if i'm maybe i'm not understanding this correctly are the people that the betty brought over and all of their chests I don't chests think it's an burst. escape pod it's just they just found Oh that's like the gallery where they room. did that okay yeah. okay okay yeah, yeah you're right but it, it you, my confusion was it looks very similar to the inside of the escape pod that previously right. blew up um Yeah cuz they're both designed like that uh carnival ride where Yeah 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 exactly yeah wall. yeah <laughs> the Gravitron. Which I've never been on one and it pisses me I've off. I've always been too scared because I don't like spinny rides. My parents wouldn't let me go on one and then I haven't been to a legit carnival in like 25 years and that's uh, something I wish I could do and I don't know if we're even going to have carnivals after the pandemic ends. You know? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, But then there's one guy who's still alive 
It's the dude from Seven. His name is Purvis in the movie, but he will f- <laughs> forever be known as the guy from yeah. Seven. Yeah, Leland Orser is the name of this actor because I had to look him up because I'm like, yeah, this is the guy who had to fuck the sex worker to death in yeah. Seven. Oh, it's one uh, of the most terrifying things. Yeah, bringing a lot of the same energy to this movie. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. He's bringing the same exact thing. Yeah, Ripley can smell that he has a xenomorph inside of him. Uh, and he starts to freak. And I wrote, yeah, big seven energy. Mm. Yeah. Did you write down this line that Ripley has? No, I just wrote that she tells him what's going to happen to him. But if you I do, do really like this. I know I didn't write it down, oh. but I like this. I like this line in the script and I love her reading of it mm-hmm. where he's just like, what is going on? And, and everybody else in the group is like, uh, ooh, they're all like tugging at their collars yeah. and stuff. And Ripley just gives him this like incredibly succinct and clear explanation that like, you have an alien in your chest. It is growing in a few hours. It will hatch, burst out of your sternum and you will die. Yeah. And, and it's like, cool. And he's like, uh, who the fuck are you? I'm the That's, monster's she mother. Says, yeah. She says, do you have any questions? His question is, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. And then her response is dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they crawl down a shaft. They can't bring Vries's chair, so he gets strapped to Christie's back. And then we get that flooded section that works pretty yeah. well. Yeah, it's just a cool underwater set piece. There's not too much to talk about other than it's just like it's practical, right? Like yep. the aliens are CG for the most part, but it's a bunch of actors in a flooded underground chamber and they're all swimming with guns and it just looks cool. Yeah, they have to like hold their breath for way too long. Mm. People hold their breath yeah. for so long. Um, this shit stresses me it out. It stresses me out too. It especially stresses me out because Vries has no control over the situation. Right. Though if I were him, I would also be paddling like my arms mm-hmm. <laughs> to like get get through faster. <laughs> yeah, you gotta help. Man. Yeah, you gotta help. Although he does some good work with the guns. So. He does. Uh, yeah. They get chased by xenomorphs through the water. <clears throat> One of the xenomorphs gets blown up with like an explosive bullet, like a grenade launcher or some shit. Yeah. Hillard gets pulled away from the pack by a xenomorph. She drowns. Yeah, we don't actually see her die at the hands of the xenomorph. She just kind of runs out of air. Yeah, it's it's like it's actually pretty effective. I don't mean to like yeah. skim over it, but like because you can see she's struggling and slowing down, and it's right. like oh no, that's bad. And then the xenomorph grabs her, pulls her away, mm-hmm. and then they eventually get out of there, swim up to the surface, but it's covered by this membrane, and they can't burst. They can't like open it up. It's stressful. Right. Uh, but then Ripley is able to tear it open. Then they see. Yeah, this also pissed me off because they all have fucking guns. It's true. It's yeah, they like, like guns and knives and stuff. They could have just yeah, cut through blow, it. Yeah, they're all waiting for Ripley's super strength. It's like, just blow a fucking hole in it. Yeah. Um, above them is a ring of face hugger eggs. And once they break the membrane, the, the face huggers pop out. It's an ambush. One gets Ripley in the face. Uh, the xenomorphs swimming at them. Christy starts yeah. shooting. Um, I lost my play. Here we are. Uh, oh, yeah. Christy is shooting. He's ricocheting bullets to blow yeah. up the pods. Yeah, he does his bank shot move again so from underwater. Weird. Yeah. So fucking weird. Um, they get up topside. <laughs> they climb up a ladder. And Ren is like, I think he fakes like a door is locked. Yeah, he gets to the top. He's like, I can't open this. I need you to. Uh, I need your gun. <laughs> yeah. So he has to call for her gun. 
And he get, she hands him the gun. He's like, you're really way too trusting and shoots her in the gut. Yeah. She falls into the water. Breeze freaks out. It's a big, sad moment. Big, sad moment. Ren opens a door, locks it behind him. The xenomorph bursts from the water, starts climbing up the ladder. Um, you know, there's they're trying to shoot it, but the gun jams. The alien spits acid onto Christie's face, so they can spit acid now. <laughs> At least in this movie, in this movie yeah. yeah. Which and that made me be like, was Eric right? Did the alien really spit acid in Alien Three? I don't, I don't know. know. Sound off in the comments, folks. Sound off. Um. So Johnner like folds backwards, guns akimbo, starts shooting at it's the alien. Of, it, it's goofy, but it's I enjoy it. I enjoy like, it. It's very ineffective for the most part because yeah. most of the shots are going off to the side. He misses all but one of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he ends up shooting one into the alien's head. The bullet explodes. Head explodes. But it's still grabbing onto Christie's boot, so it's pulling him off. Vreeze is like trying to hold onto the ladder rung. Yeah. And Christy ends up unbuckling himself and sacrificing himself. Yeah. And this is a classic thing. This, I mean, I think the biggest example of this people go nuts about is Titanic, but it's just like, it's dumb. It's like, if you have to sacrifice yourself, great, but let's write it. So it feels legitimate. This is just like the alien is hanging onto his foot. Yeah. So it's dragging down. It's like, can we at least just get a shot of it? Like, kicking his foot all over the place trying to get the alien's claw off of him. Yeah. He just says like, oh, it's stuck on my foot. It's too late. And it's like, yeah, it's like, could it be like piercing his foot or something to just make us believe that he can't just kick the alien off? I know. Yeah. It's very, it, it annoys me. Sorry. Um, I'm heated. So then uh, they fall. The door opens. It's Call. She's alive. And we find out it's an android. She's an android. That was actually yeah. a surprise for me. I, I I was I was shocked by this. Yeah, I mean, I guess I had seen this enough times that I wasn't. But that's a that's a big reveal. Yeah, it is. Um. All right. So they they climb out of there. They need call to override the security system or something. She can like mm-hmm. directly jack into the ship mm-hmm. because they want to blow up before it reaches Earth. Um. And then you know they get that like just sticking a needle in her arm to jack in. Uh, she can't blow it for some reason, so they have to crash it. The guy from Seven starts convulsing. Um, Call redirects the ship so that it'll crash in like, you know, they give it some sort of time frame. And they're going to escape off of the ship with the Betty. Uh, but unfortunately, Ren is trying to get there first. So they, uh, you know, using, she's like overriding the ship's security system. She closes right. the doors so that uh, Ren gets trapped in the xenomorphs basically get funneled towards him. Mm-hmm. And there's some dumb Joss Whedon stuff where Call is like speaking over the ship's loudspeaker. Yeah. Like, will all aliens Pre- please report to the... Yeah, exactly. Proceed yeah. to level one. Yeah. It's fucking dumb. Um, so then we have that big heart-to-heart where Ripley and Call talk. Right. They find some common ground about how they all try to save people. Yeah, you know what would be a more interesting and profound common ground for them to perhaps farm is the fact that one of them is a clone and the other one is a robot. Yeah, yeah, that would have made but, sense. Like neither one of them is a real human. human. Yep. Yep. Um, but instead, it's like, and this is the thing I was gonna say is like, uh, it does feel like 
the first time I watched this, I was like, oh man, she's an android. The, every other time I've watched it, I'd be like, okay, why? It, it, the only thing it does is it gives you one little plot point with this jacking into the ship stuff. And it, but it's really just for the, it's just for the twist. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't service the story in any real way. No, not really. Um, so they're making their way to the Betty. Ripley suddenly gets on her knees. She can hear them. They're so close. And the queen's in right. pain. And suddenly she gets dragged through the floor. And she's basically laying on this like pulsating mass of wet yeah. queen or something. It's very unclear what it is. It's gross. Shades of society. Yeah, it really right? is. Yeah. yeah. Of, um, but yeah, it's like there's some aliens writhing on the ground. And I guess it's, yeah, it's just all part of some giant organic queen mass. But then it's like she gets sucked in. But then where does she go? Yeah, she like gets sucked into some orifice. And then she's just inside. Yeah. And then, okay, so then uh, they go, the rest of the crew goes off to the ship. Ripley's like being carried by a xenomorph. And like really like hugs it and snuggles it. Like wakes up <laughs> and like snuggles in. Yeah. The rest, the rest of the crew get to the Betty. The guy from Seven gets shot in the shoulder. It's Ren. And he has call. He's holding her hostage. They put down their weapons. But then the guy from Seven starts convulsing again. He stands up. Ren shoots him several times. He's undeterred. Smashes Ren's face and screams. And then we, as he screams, the camera goes into his mouth, down his throat. We see the alien there inside of him. The alien screams. Yeah. It's a wild shot. I mean, it's CGI. It's not great, but it's interesting. It's interesting, yeah. Yeah. They shoot him. Oh, he bursts out of his chest, shoot him. And I think I missed, this must kill Ren, right? Yeah, well, he does it on purpose. He grabs Ren and holds him against so that his chest when the chest, chest burst comes Ren. out. Yeah, which is strains credibility, but uh, or credulity, <laughs> I should say. But I mean, it's 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 fun. It's an interesting thing. It's one of those things that I'm like, as a small piece, I kind of like it. I don't think it fits into the larger. I think a lot of things don't fit into the larger movie. Yeah. Uh, Ripley wakes up. She's in like this cocoon hive where we see that. Uh, Gwendolyn or whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> Brad Dorf. Gwildor is that Gwildor. Yeah, Gwildor is still there. Um, he's still alive. The alien queen gives birth gives birth to a xenomorph. Like actually, because yeah. because and, the queen is part human, it now right. has a uterus, it has a womb, and it's giving birth to a single alien instead of laying eggs. And this is what I was talking about. I don't think that I. I think this might have been excised from this opening. I might have said this in a previous deleted version, but like it is such a massive expository dialogue dump where it's just Brad Dourif talking uninterrupted for like 60 seconds, essentially just explaining what's going on. Hmm. And it is like the purest failure to show instead of telling. Sure. Where it's literally just Brad Dourif being like, she has some of your DNA. So now she has a human wound. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because that wasn't in the theatrical. So the- this is extended. the theatrical, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like the theatrical version has got to lay just heavy into this because I'm sure there was some 
studio notes or some test screening. And it was like, people don't understand what the fuck's going on. So Brad Dorf just delivers 90 seconds of interrupt, uninterrupted dialogue explaining what's happening, which I'm guessing you understood what was happening, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right, we meet the newborn. This is the new xenomorph. It has like a weird dumpy body in like an upturned <laughs> nose, like a who. Yeah. From Whoville. Yeah. In like a skull, kind of a skully it's kind face. Of- it's a little fleshy. Yeah, it's fleshy. The, the color is much closer to a human skin than black xenomorph. Right. Right. Um, what do you think of the the newborn when you first saw it? Uh, there's parts of it I liked. I don't know. I don't know. I still don't really know what I think of it. What do you think of mm-hmm. it? Do you like it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I th- here's what I think about it. I think it is an impressive feat of practical design. It is all models and you know suit it's there's no there's nothing digital about it it's all practical um it's gross it's visceral Mm -hmm. um it's weird i think it makes me uncomfortable which i think is the point Mm -hmm. and that is you know so i think it's a success in that respect um so the newborn rips the queen's face off kills the queen yeah because that is not to like almost caress it yeah you know because it's, it's a baby but it's not this thing is like it's you're not my mother ripley's my mother ripley eight is right. my mother uh and we're dorif's character is just narrating all of this for us to clarify everything yeah um and i wrote is it as annoyed by him as i am <laughs> but then it <laughs> must be because it bites his head and kills him yeah uh ripley climbs out it, the newborn's chasing her she runs to the ship. It starts to take off. They see her in the security cameras. They open the back hatch for her. Has this big impressive jump that I remember from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, where she makes it in there. Gets into the pilot seat. Calls trying to close a door in the ship somewhere. And suddenly the newborn's behind her. Um, so the newborn got in with them. She runs for it. She runs under something, is hiding. She's like, it's like reaching for her. DeStefano right. comes looking for her. The new newborn- yeah, and there's this there's this moment when it seems like it's just sort of curious or playful. Uh huh. And you're like, oh, is it just? And then it like starts growling and scraping, and you're like, oh no, it's still like a murder thing. It's still a murder bug. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's crushes. It crushes. Um, the newborns crushes the DeStefano's head. Jesus, I couldn't think of the word. Um, the Ripley senses something's wrong and gets up just as the Betty is approaching the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, the alien's trying to rip call apart, but Ripley stops it and she embraces it. And as she's hugging it, she like eyes. There's a glass hatch. There's like a window behind them. And the alien's really responding yeah. to Ripley's maternal, you know, sort of care. Exactly. Um, and then. She like cuts herself on it and uses her acid blood. She flicks it on the window. The window blows, creates a vacuum into space. And then the newborn gets sucked out against the window. And it's kind of really brutal. It, this part is actually yeah. pretty, pretty gross because there's a little yeah. tiny hole, like, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. the size of a silver dollar, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe right. like a baseball. And it's just like kind of like its flesh is getting sucked, like extruded through. 
Yeah, it's really gross, and I will say that it is something that stuck with me for more than 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like, dreading this scene coming up. Because the other thing that's worth noting here is, in addition to being very gruesome, it's also they're playing it for as much emotionality as they can wring out of it. It's like crying and and screaming. Yeah, it's crying and screaming, and it's crying and screaming for its mother. Yeah. For Ripley, who is crying, watching it die, and saying, I'm sorry. And I will say, this got Kenda big time. Really? She like, was like, I can't watch this anymore. Tell me when it's over. She was like really upset by wow. it. Wow. Um, and I will say that like I didn't have quite that strong of a reaction, but I've always remembered this as being like a tough scene to watch. It is. It's pretty cool. It's like venting its blood and guts into space, like sucking it, like basically sucking its contents yeah. out into space. And finally, the body crumples up. The body crumples up. The skin just gets pulled off until it's just a skull. And the skull breaks apart, flies out the, uh, the uh, window. Um, the other ship, you know, the, the Auriga crashes into earth, creating an enormous explosion. <laughs> Like it's going to destroy a continent. Yeah. Like yeah. it blows off the eastern seaboard, basically. So you're like, yeah. oh shit. A lot of people just died. Maybe <laughs> not so much, because the Betty finally gets into the Earth's atmosphere and we see that the Earth is completely ravaged. It's just like a wasteland. Right. So this is Earth. To call call says that to Ripley. This is Earth. And she's like, Well, the military's gonna show up pretty soon. You should probably get out of here. And call suggests, yeah, that they, you know, get she gets lost, and Ripley's like, "Well, I'm a stranger here myself." And then we kind of we go behind them and we reveal <clears throat> that they're looking over the ruined cityscape of Paris, Jean Pierre yeah. Genet's precious Paris, <laughs> <laughs> Gay Paris, Gay Paris. Uh, yeah, this is all extra stuff. The theatrical cut ends with. The uh, John are kissing Varese on the lips and then just flying through the clouds. Really? Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which makes the fucking Auriga crashing into Earth even more horrific. Up. Yeah, it really is. Because you're like, as far as you know, it's just a plan. It's just the planet Earth. And it's like, OK, well, they just killed like a tenth of all the people on the planet. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right, so we got a lot of body count, a big body count in this movie. Body mm-hmm. count. Um, <laughs> old callback. Yeah, old callback. Uh, seven guards to the crew of the Billy, specifically Christy. Mm-hmm. Get him in, although that comes later more. Uh, the frozen guard, everyone in the dropship. Elgin, Hillard, the guy from Seven, DiStefano, <laughs> Ren. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I will say this is the most violent of all of the movies. It is. Um, it's got some fun stuff in it. Um, like this is the first time in this entire series that I've had to think about which of the creative murder scenes that I like the most. So that brings me to my next question: What is your yeah. favorite death in the movie? <sighs> um, I mean, I don't love it, but I'm gonna say I have to give the award to the. The, the the newborn getting sucked out of the ship. It's just like it's by far the most impactful. Um, sure, and it is gruesome. It's gross. It's got some crazy effects, and it's it's yeah. It's um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's punishing. It is punishing. Yeah. 
Uh, for my for myself, I'm going to go with the liquid nitrogen death, which is fun. <laughs> I always like a good liquid ni- liquid nitrogen death. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's gonna be mine. Uh, all right. Okay. So then, moving on. This movie is uh, yo. It is from 1997. 23 years old. Yeah, coming up on 24. Fuck. Moments that age the worst. Uh, there's not a lot. I don't think really. That's like problematic in this movie there's you know having having been written by joss whedon yeah i guess that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of it right <laughs> yeah the fact that much. we have to put an asterisk again like on it yeah to talk mm-hmm. about it but i mean i'll say this not just because he's slowly but surely getting canceled but also like his dialogue didn't age it doesn't well. age well it's it just yeah. rings very much of a time right uh yeah that's a good call um, and then we like to rate how scary these movies are based on the filmography of other famous horror movie directors. Right now we are using the Wes Craven scale and I've been dreading this moment since I finished this movie. Well, yeah, we might retire the Craven scale early. We might have we'll to. We really might have to. Uh, this movie is not. So we not- can come back after doing better, more justice to the great Wes Craven. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So we we mentioned earlier that this movie is not very scary, right? Yeah, it's not. I agree. Yep. There's mm-hmm. some the newborn maybe is the closest thing to scary in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Swamp Thing. That works for me. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Great. Great. Awesome. Good work. We Let's did move it. On. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Really soon, doing a service to our listeners. Soon to be something else scale. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. figure something else out. Um, <laughs> and then finally, Mary fuck kill. I'll, yeah, I'll go first on this one. Um, so this was a movie that I was looking forward to. Uh, I do not hate the David Fincher Alien Three. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it obviously has some issues. <clears throat> I don't think anybody can argue with that. So I was expecting this one to kind of be more of a return to form. And I know that is my expectation. It's not very fair to the movie. But I think what, yeah. what I ended up watching wasn't really what I was looking for in any way. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not to say it is a movie that is complete failure. No, there are things in here that I like. I had some laughs. Right. I, I laughed at some lines. But, I, I, you know, as thinking about its place in the quadrilogy, quadrilogy, <laughs> sure well don't spoil your final ranking no 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 my dear i'm not i mean but i think you could probably go back and figure out all of the what i've rated everything thus far right because this will get the lowest that i've done for me this is a kill i think this is a kill fair enough well i'm gonna keep things more interesting because um i I think that this movie is, it is a classic example of one of these movies that's like, it's too weird for me to hate or to really even to be mad. Like, I, it's not a great entry in the Alien series, but it's like weird and special in its own way. And like, there are enough things that I like in this that it has to me like, bordering i have bordering on fond feelings okay we'll put it that way like not not firmly but like 
you know, I like Janae as a filmmaker. I like some of the weird stuff he brings to this. I like Dominique Pinon. I like Sigourney Weaver. I like the creature effects in this movie. I like the uh, the high heightened level of violence in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to mention it, but I like the score of this movie. It it brings back my favorite element of the original Alien Jerry Goldsmith score, which is this fun little sting that he does. Um, which uh, if anybody wants to hear it, you can. Just hop on Spotify or YouTube and look up. It's called Hypersleep is the name of the track. And I actually cued Eric up for this earlier. I want Eric to listen to it, too. Yeah, I, ha- um, I just had it. And I, it's uh, hold on. Aliens Hypersleep. Yeah, it's from it's from the original Alien movie. It pops up in like just the sting that's familiar from it pops up in, in most of the other movies at some point. Um, but yeah, see if you get that queued up yeah. and give it a listen. Just this, that's it, mm-hmm. right? Just those little dun dun dun, and then it goes down, and it's like it's a lot of fun. It's like kind of anxious, but like playful almost in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole score of this movie is solid. Anyways, I've been meaning to talk about that particular track for the last four. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say every time we've stopped recording, you're like, "Fuck!" I meant yeah. to bring up the the score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, and 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 then the last thing I wanted to say is that I actually really, like, I don't think they pull it off, but I have a weird begrudging respect for all of the stuff with the newborn. And I feel like it gets almost short shrift because it happens so fast, but it's, like, very jarring, and it's it's a very strange move. I think the creature effect is pretty good, and I think the way that they play it for, like, this, this very intense emotional... The betrayal almost is like it makes me feel things, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I can't say about a lot of the movies that we watch. I think over the course of this episode, I've pretty much explained all the things that I didn't like about this movie. Yeah. Right. Those have been clear. But these are all things that I do like. And, and for that reason, I think that it is like it is a quirky, weird addition to this series that I was not unhappy to watch again. And uh, I don't think it's like a big time winner, but it's definitely a fuck for me. I think that I think for any, I mean, yeah, if you haven't seen this, I would almost be like, yeah, I mean, if, if it sounds like up your alley, I think you should check it out. All right. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Different opinions, differing opinions here, but that's what makes kill streak. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, guys, we have a very special segment coming up for you, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, Ryan Martin, the voice of Killstreak, is going to uh, administer a quiz for both Price and I, and it was very fun. We've already recorded it. Are hap- we're happy for you guys to be able to listen to it. Uh, and yeah. I'm going to spin my wheels a bit because uh, I've never ended a show on the second segment before, so it's weird for me. Yeah. We'll be right back. <laughs> Where it's 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 bittersweet. I feel like we have to say goodbye to you guys as the audience, but for you, it'll be like we never left. Exactly. You know? All right. Um, but anyways, uh, here's an advertisement. <laughs> Talk soon. All right, we're back, and we have a very special guest joining us live from his own Killstreak Studios. We have the voice of Killstreak himself. Uh, I almost called you Mike Price because I'm not a smart person. Ryan Martin. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. 
Hey, good to have you. In my head, as as Eric was botching that, I was like getting ready for. In my head, it was like Ryan Goslin, and then <laughs> like, it would have been really confusing for everybody. Also, today on Ryan Goslin won't eat his cereal, and you need to come up with your own name for your studio. Killstreak Studios is taken. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. So, but you can come up with your. This is a bungalow recording. Yeah, it's could be the murder bungalow or something. I don't know. Ooh, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did we used to call the bungalow I lived in? Yeah, yeah. Ryan lived in a weird little bungalow. Well, no, I guess really. Uh, did, did you live in the bungalow? Oh yeah, three. No, year and a half. Oh. Before okay. I moved into the house. <laughs> Before they let you move into the house. Hey, man, I moved to L.A. and I found a room for 300 bucks a month. And that was yeah. back in 2005. Blocks away from where the Black Dahlia was murdered, too. Yes. Nice. Yeah, right down the street. Uh, so Ryan has prepared a very special quiz for us. He, we don't know anything about it, really. He did it in secret. Yeah. Uh, uh, what think- do we know? We just know it's it's alien related, right? Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, alien related, and I'm titling this segment, I'm not talking about the movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I've got 10 <laughs> questions and a tiebreaker. All right. Uh, and if you have only watched the movies, you will not be able to answer a single one of these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. So, wait. So, uh, this is going to be a, a mess. This is all... This is, so, this is all official alien stuff. Oh, boy. You know, real trivia. Um, but it's all about how the alien franchise just had such an influence in the world around us. Okay. Um, okay. They're that not crazy fun. hard. You guys... I, it, it'll be fun. You get, It'll be fun. I was terrified that this was going to be a whole quiz about non-film alien canon, like comic books and adaptations <laughs> and everything. And I was like, oh, Oh, shit. I wouldn't even be able to do it. No, this is... It's not going to be as hard as it sounds. Okay. But, like, if I'm asking you a question about Alien 1, mm-hmm. it's not like you just watched the movie. You would have had to know right, some other things right. about Alien. Okay. I mean, um, I presume, like all quizzes, it will be something where I will mop the floor with Eric. So, uh, <laughs> Son of a bitch. If, I mean, if it's anything like some of the other quizzes we've had, Eric will, Eric will put up a good show, but, you know. <laughs> a good show, question mark? <laughs> Can question mark? Walk away with his dignity intact. All right. Let's yes. get on with this inevitable <laughs> humiliation. Okay, so we're going to do a buzzer. Uh, I'm going to read the question. You okay. can buzz in at any time during the question. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, the other person gets to hear the the full question and gets a chance to steal. Okay. Right. Okay, we've got our buzzers. Finger on the buzzers, gentlemen. Yep, got them. Okay, here is our first question. Alien comic books recently switched from Dark Horse Comics to what publishing company? Mm-hmm. Eric? I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a stab at this and say image. Nope, it is not image. Too classy, too classy for the alien series. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I'm just gonna go. Uh, fuck DC. I don't know. Eh, DC is not the answer either, gentlemen. Big goose egg, guys. Disney owns Fox. Disney oh, owns Marvel. Marvel. Oh wow. I did not. Wow, did not know that. The queen that. is a Disney princess now. Oh, Christ. Let's uh, let's say our patented catchphrase. Reset our buzzers. Reset our buzzers. <laughs> Clear those buzzers. Here we go. All right. So okay, here comes the next question. Uh, what director had no involvement with their Alien franchise special edition from the quadrilogy? Um, Price. I believe David Fincher. 
That is correct. Okay. Fincher was asked to do a director's cut of Alien 3, and he told them to to forget it. And they actually did the most work to Alien 3. They brought back actors to do ADR. They um, cleaned up special effects. Yeah. They, like, I think the Alien 3 assembly cut is what they call it. Yeah. Right. Not director's That's cut. That's the one we watched for the show. In, uh, yeah. Yeah, last, last week. Yeah. Well, here comes another Alien 3 question. Vincent Wards, the original Alien, who wrote the original Alien 3 script... Uh, where did that script take place? Price. Oh, no, I <laughs> yep. buzzed in. Uh, <laughs> all right, let Eric take it first. No, right. I mean, who did it? I mean, cool. who technically who did it? Um, I mean, it said Price first. Okay. Well, no, but that was the old buzzer. That was the old buzzer, so I, I think it was Eric. I said Price out loud. The buzzer oh, was because I forgot fired. to reset the buzzer, because yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Right. Oh, Eric, you go first. Okay. Yeah, Eric, go first. It was a, uh, a, a monk planet, a wooden monk planet. That is correct. A wooden monk space station. Insane. That, uh, insane. You only know that because... Okay, fine. Well, I only know that because I read it when I was watching <laughs> Alien 3. There you go. Yeah, there's a really good um, script synopsis of the Vincent Ward script, and it's weird, and it's fun. Okay, reset those buzzers. Okay. Okay, okay ready? Here we go, here we go. In 1986, Sigourney Weaver went on SNL and did an Aliens sketch. In this sketch, what lovable alien was killed by accident? Eric? E.T.? E.T. is correct. That's a good guess. That's, uh, boy. Sigourney Weaver leads, like, Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey as Marines, and when the door pops open, they blow away E.T., and then the rest of the sketch is them covering it up, like, oh, God, we killed E.T. That's really funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on YouTube. It's really, the set is amazing. Like, they did a good job. For SNL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. So, the mid-80s saw a slew of alien rip-offs. You know, Creature in a Space mm-hmm. and Witch So, in the alien rip-off, Creature, what renowned German actor starred in it? Eric? Oh, shit. Uh, I'm going to go with um, uh, Kinski, Klaus Kinski. God fucking damn it. Klaus Kinski is correct. <laughs> I had my I had the wrong window selected on my screen, so oh, I hit so space you clicked, bar on the messenger <laughs> oh, and no. it opened up the play games tab. <laughs> okay, I tried to buzz in a second and a half before Eric did. Oh, well, there is a yeah, bit of a delay. I uh, no, I haven't. No, no, I haven't. There is a scene. There's a scene where just look up Klaus Kinski and Creature. There's a scene where he just eats a sandwich while delivering exposition. <laughs> like they're asking him questions and he's just like mouthful of sandwich. He does oh, not man. care. Man, my title's right. in jeopardy. I'm gonna have to mount a comeback here. Oh, also other fun fact in that movie Creature, um, Lyman Ward, the dad from Ferris Bueller, um, he's in it too, ah. like weird and randomly oh, as weird. well. That's it's actually one of the better ripoffs, but it is not good. <laughs> okay, here comes the next question. Buzzers are clear. Okay, Alien Wars Laser Tag was a full immersion experience that opened in 1992. What international city was its permanent home? Eric, I'm gonna go with Orlando. Not Orlando. Okay. No. What international city? Internet. Oh yeah, international. <laughs> Cool. Well, that narrows it down to uh, <laughs> not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Tokyo. Not Tokyo either. It was London. 
All oh. right. All right. I Dude, guess that. I guess that's where they shot most of the movies was in England. Yeah, yeah. Dude, look this thing up. It's called Alien Wars. It was in London. They set it up in the basement of a mall, and Fox let them use original props, set pieces, set walls, and people would dress up as Marines. They had people in xenomorph costumes, and they would lead people through the corridors blasting with, like, laser tag guns. (laughs) There's some footage you can find. It's amazing. That's awesome. It would have been, like... But then apparently it flooded, like oh. in like '98 or something. Oh Jesus! Um, that's got this a crazy is a, little history. This is a property that's ripe for one of these VR things, though, like the Star Wars oh, man, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Have It'd you guys done those? They're really fun. Yeah. I never. I, I really never liked have. the Star Wars one. Yeah. Yeah. I did the Star Wars one twice actually. Okay. Re- next question. Reset those buzzers. Current current score. Eric three. Price one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Reset the buzzers. Reset the buzzers. Reset. Oh, yeah, yeah. Reset those buzzers. <laughs> what, and what? you're on the right window, Price? Yeah, I got it. Should be okay. two to two. But, you know, whatever. Here we go. <laughs> what soda had a one-time Alien 3 endorsement? Price? I'm going to go with Pepsi. Pepsi is correct. All right. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes Look you just got to take a swing, guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Pepsi. Surge if it came to me. <laughs> oh, too early. Too <laughs> alien early. Blood. There you go. Surge's Alien Resurrection era. Okay. Yeah. No, there's a uh, Alien 3 Pepsi commercial that's like two kids getting chased by an alien. Oh, then it's they give YouTube. her a Pepsi, right? They give her a Pepsi. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's man. so bad. It's. But it's like a real xenomorph costume. It's wow. Wow. it's ridiculous. Okay, here comes the next question. Buzzers reset. All right. There is a long tradition of alien video games across many systems. But what system had the first alien video game? Eric? Jaguar. Incorrect. No! <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... NES. And also incorrect. Oh wait, you know what? The but I'm gonna interrupt you. The, I went my brain went alien versus predator. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably like twenty six. No, it was um the the Atari twenty six hundred. Wow. Had a, a Pac Man ripoff that was uh, just Ripley getting chased by aliens and picking up power pellets. Also, amazing. Atari had some pretty good hor- good in question in quotation Dude, marks no, horror games. Some amazing ones. Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I've looked at like footage and played MU them. The like you get to be Leatherface. Yeah, in yeah, the you're, you are Leatherface one. chasing people, <laughs> chasing wow. people, like jumping yeah. over tumbleweeds. I think, <laughs> and you can't be stopped. It's when your chainsaw runs out of gas. Yeah. that's when like you cannot be stopped. <laughs> I think you're Michael Myers. Oh, maybe you're the oh, actually no, you're the babysitter running from Michael. Myers. Yeah, you're babysitter and you find a coat hanger. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Okay. Next question. We got a couple right. more. Reset right, we the buzzers. Got, yes, reset the buzzers. All right. So right now we got Eric three, price two. Okay. We've got how many questions left? One, two questions, and then a tiebreaker. Oh Jesus okay. Christ! So, it's so still... I can't let Eric get another one. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to tell you, question number ten is hard. Okay. Okay. Here comes question number nine. What alien? From the alien, I mean, <laughs> start that over. <laughs> what actor from the alien series reprised their role in a comedy feature film? In a comedy feature film. 
Mm. You have seen it. Eric? Uh, I'm going to go with Lance Hendrickson. As incorrect. Okay. Boy, I was thinking like you know maybe Bishop showed up in like not another teen movie or something. <laughs> it's bad enough that he shows up in other alien movies. <laughs> oh man, I really need this. Um, shit, you've seen this movie? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I mean, because Eric's already done. I'm trying to. I'm trying my damnedest to remember the spaceballs scene. And if one of the people is in that scene, and that's where my that's where my head's going. But I, I mean, I guess I'm just going with John Hurt. John Hurt it is, is correct. It is because it is Spaceballs, isn't it? <laughs> yep, it's Spaceballs. It's the, it's the chestburster getting the hello, my honey. God damn it! And then hello, my wow. honey. Hello, my darling. Oh no. <laughs> He Tag actually game, says, baby. not again. It's just. <laughs> I, sh- I would also pitch Ripley in Hocus Pocus. Get away from her, you witch. <laughs> Wait, is Sigourney Weaver in Hocus Pocus? No, but Ripley quickly makes an appearance. So, okay, yeah, you guys just look it up. Look it up. <laughs> Maybe it got cut. Maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay, you guys are tied three to three. Oh, fuck. All right. Why don't you Question re- number ten. Reset those buzzers. Right, reset them. <laughs> Whatever. All right. All right. And I will repeat this question because it's worded funny. Okay. What 80s cartoon created a movie within the show starring Sigourney Weaver and a queen xenomorph? So it was an 80s cartoon that acknowledged Sigourney Weaver and a queen xenomorph inside the cartoon as like a movie. And I'm going to say throw out your first four guesses. (laughs) Okay. okay. Oh, wow. All right, then. 80s. Uh, okay. I have one that keeps... That won't be it. Yeah, there's like the main... Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Fuck, I, I can't get... <sighs> I keep going to, like, adult cartoons. Is like... uh, You know, I'm going to give you some hints. No, not an adult cartoon. Okay. All right. That okay. actually does help me. Damn. TV series, kids watched it, and in the series, like somebody would be able to turn a TV on and watch, and watch. a movie with Sigourney Weaver and an alien. Fuck. And they wow. show a clip even. Wow. Um Okay. I I have a guess. Alright, Price, guess it up. Garfield. Not Garfield. Okay. All right. But I love the idea of that. <laughs> what if it's like, what if I was like Garfield and Friends? He's like, correct. And you're like, oh yeah, that's it. it's actually the Barnyard Friends cartoon. Um. All right, then I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be really mad if it's one of my first four guesses that I threw. <laughs> <laughs> um. God, I'm really struggling with '80s cartoons. Um. That would be. All right, I'm gonna go with Bebe's kids. <laughs> no, that's a movie, right? That's a movie. Never mind. Never mind. That's a movie. Uh, yeah, I want to help to you. That no, movie. Eric takes that guess back. He gets another one. Of course, <laughs> Eric. You're also for some reason disconnected from the buzzer. Oh yeah. shit! Um, I have a bunch of '90s guesses. Yeah, the I have '80s. A bunch. That's is the what thing. really threw me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what's throwing me off too. 
Um, I mean, it's late eighties. Mm-hmm. It's God damn it! I'm like totally. I mean, it's post eighty six because it's post aliens. Because I'm trying to think of like also Fox cartoons, and I can't. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's. I'm not even sure if it is or not. I'm just gonna say ghost. It's not Ghostbusters. I'm gonna say Ghostbusters. No, right? not yeah. Ghostbusters. It's Gem and the Holograms. Oh what wow! Gem <laughs> goes to the Oscars, and Sigourney Weaver. They show a clip for. Uh, it's called Poltergeist Alien Four. It is an animated version of Sigourney Weaver with a pulse rifle shooting at a queen alien. Wow! You can you can you can find the clip on YouTube. It's wild. Wow. All right, we've got a tie here, Ryan. You got a tie. What's the protocol? I got another question, and whoever's the fastest, baby. Okay. Clear those buzzers. Sudden death. So this is still the same rules. You can buzz in early if you think you know what it is before the question's over. If you don't get it, the other person can hear the rest of the question. And I am fairly certain you guys both know the answer to this. So this is going to be quick draw style. Okay. All right, ready? Yep. Jean-Pierre Junet, director of Alien Resurrection, is better known for what romantic comedy? Eric? Amelie. Amelie is correct. Suck my dick, Bryce! (laughs) (laughs) I think there was... Okay, all I'm going to say is this. Um, You had already buzzed in before he said romantic, which makes me think I'm on a delay here because I'm in Texas and you guys are both in California, but hey. Whatever, you know. Well, you uh, know what? Uh, he, There's I, a distinct possibility. That is possible because I, I buzzed in after he said romantic. Yeah. Okay. Because I was basically just like, is it Delicatessen, City Lost Children, or Amelie? You tell me which one. <laughs> it's really fun. I, I, I thought it was really fun because by the time I was watching Alien Resurrection as a kid or as a teen, I had seen a lot of the Janae and Cara mm-hmm. stuff. So seeing all the repeated French characters mm-hmm. was, uh, was, uh, was fun. It was a little treat well, I, for you. I want to be the first to say congratulations, Eric, on your first win. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I know. I know some people are going to say there's an asterisk. Uh, and <laughs> I know one I person wanna, who is. I want to tell those people that hey, you know what? Some other people think that Eric won fair and square, and we need to respect that. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are talking about how this is yeah, a false right. win. A lot of mixed opinions out there on the internet about this, but um, you know. Well, we you can, know, this is. This is like when, you know, the the sidekick of the heel, you know, hits the other guy with a chair and you're like, hey, you know, the referee was unconscious. You know, how can you do this? So, you know, we're yeah. we're building a we're building story here. Ken. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Next next time we're going to have to have write ins, though. I just want to be clear. The, the rules are going to need to change. So. Jill Stein one. All right. Thank you very much, Ryan. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, yeah. Ton of fun. Guys, yeah. if you want to write into us, maybe. uh I don't know, toss us some other alien trivia. I don't know what the fuck you want to do with us. <laughs> you can do so at Killstreak Pod on, on uh uh Instagram and on Twitter or yes. killstreakpod at gmail.com. Yeah, or corrections. It. You guys gotta let me know if anybody ever um like emails or calls and corrects me. I would okay, lo- yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not infallible. So sure. oh, I'd yeah. love to hear if anybody um, has any disputes. Yeah, come at Ryan, the voice of Killstreak. And let us know, you know, send us your um, alien slash fix starring me and Ryan and Eric (laughs) all together. All Um, huddled together in like a a drop ship. (laughs) I'm so cold. (laughs) Here, get into my Take it from there. Yeah, there you go. I gave you guys a story prompt. Go to town. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, next week we are going to be watching... 
Uh, the big return to the series by Ridley Scott. We're going way back in time uh, for Prometheus. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the prequel that, at least at the time, was you know advertised as only existing within the Alien universe. So we weren't even oh, really yeah, sure how it tied in. Um, you know, at this point now we we have a little more clarity, but. You know, try to put yourself in that mindset. We're just going into a brand new experience. Yeah. Yeah. That looks a lot like some of the things we already know. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, Well, oh, I don't have a quote because we haven't done the main body of the show yet. All right. Well, and as always, uh, uh, fuck. And as always, oh, Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. 